Welcome, everybody. This is the first podcast, the Sit Down Sessions. Um, we're here with Technology, aka Tech Beats. Um, what up? He's had up, uh, placements with people of the sorts of Mac Miller, Chevy Woods, Rhapsody, and a whole long list of different artists in the game. Um, so, yeah, man, you want to do a little brief introduction? Tell the folks who you are. Yes, sir. Uh, technology uh, producer for obviously you said Mac Miller, Rhapsody, uh, Tekka Smith and Wesson, uh, Chevy Woods, Chu Jackson, um, way too many. El Prez, The Bad Seed, Innocent, Mess Little Folks, Little Fame, MLP, lots and lots and lots and lots of credits. But uh, signed to Sony ATV through Beat Stars and um, yeah, it's been a, a hell of a ride. So that's who I am and that's where I'm at. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's quite a quite a list of accomplishments there. So um yeah, um wanted I kinda wanna get like into the little bit of the placement world. Like how did you kind of get into that whole realm of things? What did you kind of do to break into it? So I have actually been making beats since about high so around high school so 2003 um from there obviously started on fl4 before it was oh. it was fruity loops yeah then but now it's fl but i was on i was on fl4 for quite some time um didn't really start to really take it seriously till about 2010 ish around that time um fast forward to like 2012 I was running with a, a group that we called ourselves the Extraordinary Gentleman. And it was me, um, a producer named Young Heat from Michigan. He's huge right now on, on YouTube, big YouTube name. Um, my boy Lambo from Atlanta and this dude Scala who went on to write for uh, Kehlani and Big Sean and the homeless or other people. Um, we were all running together and he was actually, his managers, Scala's managers at the time brought us in and those guys are now known as since the 80s they managed j cole and jid and um earth gang and all those folks uh spillage village the whole they're um they took us in they were very big on the pittsburgh scene uh barry who's the head of the label was wiz's former manager uh before will so they knew mac from that and I was introduced to Mac on AOL Instant Messenger, out of all the pieces of technology in the world. Yeah, that's going back. Um, oh, way back. <laughs> way, way back. Um, I miss AIM some days. Mm. Simpler times. Um, so he and I just started sending this stuff back and forth. And back then, before Dropbox, you can literally just create a folder on AIM and then people could just download whatever the hell they want. And... I just created a folder of beats and I was like, here, take whatever you want. And I didn't hear from him for like maybe two months. And excuse me, finally, he, uh, he sends me a message. He's like, yo, are you around? I'm like, yeah. He goes, can we video chat? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I was working for, uh, for Rhode Island college radio at the time I was in my office and he like video chats me. He's like, yo, uh, so we just shot a video for the song that you produced and uh, it's going to be a co-video with another song from my project kids. And it's also, uh, it's also going to be used for Rocksmith Tokyo's clothing ad 
uh, that's coming out next week. So, uh, did I ever send you the song? I'm like, no. And he's like, all right, let me send you the song. So he sent me Traffic in the Sky and then kids came out and that was it. That's how I met Chevy. And it just kind of was what it was from there. Um, but it's more just building relationships. Like I would have never, I would have never met Cooley High and Rhapsody and Ninth. And if it wasn't for building those relationships with Scala and with Barry and with everybody. And they brought me to A3C one year and I was internet cool with like some of the Jamla folk, mm-hmm. but I never like actually met them in person until I went out to Atlanta and we all hung out. We, I stayed, we stayed at this hotel called the Malia. It's a very nice hotel. If you're ever in Atlanta, Georgia, stop at the Malia. It's fucking beautiful. There's a pool on the roof. Um, that's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> but when A3C was a thing, it was anybody who was anybody stayed at the Malia. So we were there. I would go down to the lobby to have breakfast and just blazing young guru were at a table, like three <laughs> tables over, like <laughs> prodigy from mob deep and his security were like way over there. And like, we literally sat one morning and had lunch. It was, it was me, um, me, one of the other producers we were with and big Jew from the beat nuts and um z uh z from dj booth and like one other person and we went outside to hang out we were just shooting the shit and just talking about like music like just stuff mm-hmm. and it was crazy like it you literally could be like any artist as long as you were wearing that artist badge like people would literally just call you over and just whatever so we all got to talking then at the a3c in like 2012 2013 and there was another music conference called uh, the College Music Journal Conference, CMJ. They don't do it anymore. But they, that year, now Cooley High, they were all living in New York at the time. And the conference was in New York. So I invited them up to the hotel. And it was Rhapsody and Digits and Tab One and Charlie and me and one of my drunk friends. <laughs> and we ended up choosing the beat that, like, I made the beat on the spot for them they wrote some of it and then it ended up being Dear Raleigh. It's one of their most streamed songs um, on streaming platforms. And then in the back, uh, the other record I did right there, um, I framed it. It's my first vinyl pressing, uh, Cooley High's Heights. I produced one jam on there. Um, and like ever since, like with that, like just relationship, like just the relationship building, like if you're cool and you're not a dick, I mean, it's, pretty easy to talk with artists and especially like if other like major artists know who you are it it helps but um just being personable like if you're I said this uh uh, recently on the um on the b-stars podcast I, I said flat out like it's it's important to like just talk to people like yeah. go places talk to people because if you don't like you're going to be stuck in your basement forever and who yeah. wants who wants that like nobody wants that but yeah. i mean i mean i've noticed that too like um being in live sound tech and like working with a whole bunch of artists that come through the area on that end you know you never know who the fuck you're going to talk to you never know who the fuck you're going to run into in the back alley before a show or after a show you know and those are some of the the best conversations mm-hmm. you know and you never know what 
opportunities can come from that. I think that really highlights you know how valuable networking really is. Right. And shoot your shot. Like <laughs> you, you might feel intimidated. Like, so I used to do the I standard producer battles and shouts to my, to my guys, Jay Hatch and, and Sizz and everybody, but they used to do them. I won the A3C uh, I standard in 2012 and the judges were Buck Wild, Nick Fury, Amadeus S1, Narden B, DJ Toomp, and I can't remember, like, the, there were three other judges, and I can't, I can never remember who they were, but um, DJ Toomp, Buckwild, S1, and Fury all gave me a perfect score. Amadeus gave me close to a perfect score, and Narden B gave me close to a perfect score. And the guy that I beat actually went on to work with Nicki Minaj like mm. two years ago. And he just put out, a, he just has a record out right now with, uh, with Smoke Diz and somebody else. I can't remember who, but um, it was funny. Cause, like we reconnected recently and we were talking about that, but I, at the end of it, like when passing out CD demos was still, a th- I had copies of my set that we had to play and I handed one to every judge with a business card and like chopped it up with every judge. And since then, like I've spoken to S1 on numerous occasions and we talk and then Buckwild was one of the people that introduced me to the Bad Seed and Bad Seed and I are doing a whole album together. So I still talk to these people to this day. Like I just sent an entire folder of beats to Amadeus. Like it's, it's important to talk to people like, like s1 just produced power like Mm. a month before he showed up to judge my battle and like like that's like god to me like walking up to him it's like i know you produce for little brother and i know you produce for for uh erica badu and stuff but like yo power (laughs) and he's like yeah, you know, I'm nobody, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're nobody. You're about to fucking Grammy and nobody. But the, um, <laughs> it's, it's like, just talk to people. Like, it's crazy, man. Like, if you don't, and be careful who you talk to, though, too. Mm-hmm. It's because, like, I mean, today, you don't know who's, you could be talking to Jadakiss and be talking to some scammer that's uh, <laughs> taking $500 from your pocket. Man, I've been peeping some of that stuff. That shit's crazy, dude. Damn, that's going around with that shit. That's bad. Like, I don't. Are these artists renting out their like social medias, or they're getting hacked? Like, I. No, they're. From my understanding, this company, like, they the guy that runs the company stroke stroke up some sort of deal with their managers to use their social media for this, and every other day there's like a new rapper like yesterday was fucking dmx like they got dmx like out of all people you get dmx and then i saw another post from jada kiss today i'm like come on man like come on after and all this is being exposed he's still fucking doing it they're still doing like benny benny just put out one of the one of the coolest albums this year you know i love griselda but he was on a podcast recently defending it like Oh, we're giving up and coming up and coming rappers a shot. Like, for what? On a fake Spotify playlist? Like, come on, man! You're paying five hundred dollars for something that is free. Like, for real? I mean, yeah. Like, really, as an artist, just do the grind and get on the playlist yourself. Yeah, 
is I mean, it's not. You know, I, mean, I always have been very wary of the pay to play stuff. Yeah. You know, whenever that comes around, I'm always very like, that's a red flag to me in ways because most of the time that from a curator's perspective, I like to kind of think of it from, you know, more of a curator perspective. If your music is good, they should want to put you on there because that's going to boost their standing as well as, as right. being a good curator. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got to pay to be curated, then you need to step your game up. Yeah. Especially if you're on a playlist with 97 other artists. Like, yeah. what does that do for you? Especially unknown artists. Yeah. And these rappers that are promoting it are just a face on a cover. Like, they're not even on the tape. Like, come on. Like, yes. Yeah. I had a dude try, yo, these scams are crazy. Like, I had a dude a couple years ago. Like, God, I want to say 20. 2016 pretend to be Wayno, right the host of everyday struggle mm-hmm. he pretended to be Wayno, <laughs> and emails me and is like i heard such and such a beat on your beat stars page cool i could shop it to rick ross for you well fuck it's Wayno. i know that he knows rick ross cool for seven hundred dollars <laughs> man if that beats good enough you should be wanting to shop that to him for free Nope. <laughs> yep. Found out later on that the email address belonged to some guy that used to be an intern at Def Jam and got fired. And he's been scamming people ever since. And it's it was bad. It's like like they that's the game though. Like COVID got people going fucking crazy for scams. Can't like, fucking do shows, dude. All of these fucking artists that made their bank off of shows are fucking struggling now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. I've seen, like, because working in the live industry, like, I know that firsthand. Like, there's a lot of artists that don't get much money from streaming, and their shows were their backbone. You know, and without that, their savings are dwindling real quick. They can't live that lifestyle no more. No, there's no, there's no steady income at all. And it's sad because, like, venues that have been around forever, are gone like they're just mm-hmm. gone well and there's already down um in my city where i work i mean there's already we already lost two 500 cap venues that have already went under you know and the venues i work at luckily they have some big money backing them but if this goes on for another you know six seven eight months who knows you know how long they'll be able to stay up the only major place that we have around here besides the dunkin donut center is the strand and the strand has been open for god since like the 50s and they used to hold every concert that you could possibly think of. Like I saw NERD there. I saw Common there. Uh, my wife and I just went and saw Jeremy Piven do stand up. Like mm-hmm. now it's gotten to the point where they can't book artists. So they're booking like B list comedians to come and do stand up just to fill yep. his beat. Like they yep. got fucking Steve O coming to do stand up. Like who's going to come and see Steve O do stand up? But like, I mean, if he does some pretty crazy stunts, that might be worth it. But like, what do you, what's he going to do with a mask on? Like, you can't, <laughs> you know, well, some jackass. <laughs> yeah. Watch me twirl my mask around my dick. <laughs> you, can't, you can't like, you can't do it. And, and it's, it's sad because like, even producers like 
we're, we're both part of the side chain society and like controllerize was such a thing. I, I was able mm-hmm. to go to a controllerize event in Boston. Yeah. Fucking incredible. Yo, like, by the way, shout out to stolen drums. Yes. You know, shout for, outs to shit, drums, shit. man. Dude is one of the most humble individuals on the earth. Um, yeah. I want to get him on here soon. Yes. I'm going to talk to him. I want to get him on mine. Um, <laughs> but he like that type of show for producers is amazing. Mm. But like, there's not many for producers like they're like out here in in rhode island you have to go up to boston because rhode island fucking sucks yeah but you have to go up to boston and boston has like they have harvard fest which is like for harvard kids then they have um boston boston calling and then they have like little mini events like controller eyes and then um my guys at the stew beat podcast they used to do a live battle and then um, Motif alumni and Kaz used to come down and they used to do a live battle and you can't even do that anymore. Like nope. when you have battle six feet apart or like stream zoom on a TV, like you can't. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, In my city, they've been doing um, a couple of the, a little bit of shows like there's been, but they've capped it out at like a hundred per venue, you know? So that's just like, you can't do anything of any value. No. That's basically like a bar show. Yeah. There's no, there's no money in that. No, no. Especially when you got to hire the artist, you got to haul the equipment in, you got to do all the fucking shit. This for, you know, 20 bucks, 25 bucks a head. Uh, No, there's not much overhead room. Like COVID has single-handedly ruined the music, like the entertainment industry. Like can't go to movies anymore. And I posted on Facebook today, but Marvel announced today that they're putting Black Widow on fucking Disney Plus because you're never gonna go to a theater again. Like, nope. and theaters are already on their way out. That's kind of this has been yeah. kind of like the last nail in the coffin for them. Yeah. They're done. Like all, like the ones up here, they had there were three, three showcases and uh, and a big one in Lincoln. It was an AMC theater, and then an IMAX. And the only one open right now is the AMC theater and they're showing like the new Bill and Ted and Tenant, and then like old movies. Like hmm. the other day they did like a star Wars marathon where every theater was showing a different star Wars movie. And like, but there's cause there's no movies out. Like it's, it's sad. Like, but then again, like are you going to pay $30 right now during COVID to go sit with a mask, watch a movie. Like, no, no, no one's doing that. No. I, don't know, I, I hope that the the live industry can make a comeback, though. I think that the yeah, music yeah. industry, once it, once all the guidelines get lifted and once we kind of get a vaccine going out there, at least the regulations start coming up. I think that, I think honestly, the live scene will come back booming more than ever because people are starving for it. Yeah. You know, because people want to get out and fucking do shit and fucking, you know, be able to enjoy their off time and be able to see, have some live entertainment instead of, you know, stuck to the fucking screen, you know, right in front of their face the whole fucking time. Yep. It's tiring. Yeah. Hurt your eyes, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, I, so I'm an, I'm a teacher. So I had to do last year when COVID first hit and they were like, yo, school's done like school's done for the year like you're all going home and they started distance learning sitting in front of my my laptop for nine hours a day it's just it's taxing like it's it's so taxing and like 
you can't like you didn't want i didn't want to come down and make music because like i've literally been sitting in front of a computer all day like what like you know if i was doing that all the time i wouldn't want to do anything other than sleep but it's if if we can get back to some sort of normalcy we can get like in a routine again i think we'll be straight but yeah again like you said like we're dying for something yeah because everybody's especially with winter coming back around too mm-hmm. you know with summer you know people could go out to the woods go out to nature well at least most people anyway could be able to you know go out and fucking outside and do something with their time but with winter coming back around that makes it tough mm-hmm. sucks no boy no but man it's fucking i can't man i can't but back back to like the production shit man like yeah yeah <laughs> it's it, it's been uh it's been a crazy ride man the last couple of years like it's it's been uh i've been trying to still find like the new the new niche because like i am not a trap rap but trap rapper a trap producer by any means and it sucks because like talking like being on the b-star sony roster like we're able to get some opportunities that a lot of other people aren't able to get but every opportunity that comes in is like yo this guy's a melodic trap rapper and it's like oh fuck else is new like everybody's a melodic trap rapper now well it's been different the past three four years yeah ever since migos basically it's it's horrible (laughs) like everybody's like and Snoop was right. Like everyone's literally like the whole, it's all the same shit. Like, and like the introduction to UK drill was cool. And I mean, pop smoke was great, but like every, everybody else now just wants to be pop smoke. And it's like, yep. you, like you can't be him. Like you can't like go out, make your own lane. But like, it's, it's hard because like making a lane for yourself today if you're not making like sample packs or if you're not consistently like putting out a B tape, a B tape, a B tape, a B tape, like just something, everything just kind of comes to a standstill. Cause mm-hmm. like nobody's gonna really check for you unless you're doing numbers. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I mean, even to a certain point, like even the placements don't help. No. You know, like you could have names on your roster for placements, but it doesn't, that doesn't equate to, you know, business coming in automatically. Nope. People, the labels aren't impressed. And it's, it's almost a downside because even like the indie labels, like it's hard to, to speak with the people at the indie labels because they don't want to be indie. Like mm-hmm. no indie label really truly wants to be, I mean, unless you're ducked down, but yeah, no one really truly wants to stay in that lane. And you know, they'll be like, well, what kind of trap you got? And it's like, <laughs> all right. Like, I know that your rapper on the label is not a trap rapper. Are you making them into one? Well, we're trying to break into, okay. All right. Cool. But it's um, producing, man. Like it's, it's, it's finding, I'm so thankful that I found this community and, and that I found you guys because man, I was, I was struggling like to even make stuff like for real i didn't want to i didn't want to make beats like it, it was it was at the point where like i was just like man i can't like i don't i don't like every producer goes through that like man fuck this i don't want to i don't want to do this anymore but you know 
my wife will never let me quit number one and then number two like i got a good rock there yeah she she'll never let me i spent too much money on equipment that i can't i can't i can't can't quit now um but it's it's more like maybe i need to change sounds so like i started like listening to a lot of a lot of lo-fi and like like a lot of lo-fi and I found drums and I found Lightfoot and I found a whole mess load of people that have this sound. And then I was like, well, fuck it. I can do this. Like it's yeah. boom, but it's like gritty, crunchy boom bap. Like I can do this. It's easy. Yeah. So it's not really that easy. And <laughs> people think it is. Yeah, it seems easy. Like when you listen to it, it's just like, yeah, this, this is pretty relatively, I could do this. And then you yeah. get into it and it's just like, wow, this is a lot more difficult no. than I thought yeah. it was. You have to learn how to like actually mix in order to get something to sound decent. Yeah, no, I think you're hitting on a uh, the nail on the head with the lo-fi stuff. I think really with a lot of the lo-fi stuff, it gives the producers their own artist voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives a platform to where they can be their own solo artist. You know, they're not relying on having to, you know, have an actual you know rapper rap over their shit to be able to get traction because. I don't know anybody that listens to just trap beats. <laughs> you know, like nobody just no. sits in their car fucking and just trap beats with no lyrics. You know, or even even other like more old school beats too, like that aren't really like lo-fi, but it could kind of be in that realm of things. They don't sit there listening to just those beats without a rapper on them. Well, it depends on who you are. Yeah, but that's more of like a yeah. listener yeah community like if you're a producer yeah i could see you listen to that stuff yeah. all the time just listen but, to dilla for six days straight yeah, yeah yeah but the average the average music consumer you know they're not too they don't gravitate to that as much right and you know it's, it's it's fun to get in this lane like i'm on my fourth beat tape this year and like this year like mm-hmm. and I don't like this, this go around. I don't want to like, normally what I would do is I would upload the beats to the DSPs in my beat store, but I'm finding that those beats that I made for the beat tape get more traction on DSPs than they do on the beat store. Hmm. So like I took my last beat tape was an experiment. Like I was like, all right. So my last beat tape was called adulting and I made it like all the beats are very like slow very like calming very like cool chill like chill lo-fi and or chill hop or whatever they call it and the cover was like like the adult swim bump Mm. and just like adulting that's it so i put it out and i was like you know what i'm just gonna do an experiment i'm gonna upload it to both and see what happens and it none of them i didn't get playlisted i didn't get sales i didn't get nothing on the beatstars platform but i got like shit ton of spotify and apple music and and title purchases like Mm -hmm. because people will buy an entire album of one sound rather than just buy individual beats so i was like well fuck like i'll just go and create another so right now i had a small collection of beats that i put out the beginning of the year and then i did exile adulting and now i'm working on another one that is kind of like the follow-up to the last one but the fact that like you can just keep going like producers were and you you hit the nail on the head is that producers like 
we're, we're artists. And with the fact that you have produced a live shows and you have like streaming, like if you go on Twitch right now, there's a gajillion producers now. Popping on Twitch. Like, like killing it. Like kill Illmind, I tuned into Illmind's stream the other day. Mm. Illmind, Illmind's the fucking goat. Oh, yeah. And he had Still in the game right now. 780-something people in his stream <sighs> watching him just hit play on Pro Tools sessions. Yeah, and like, just and fuck around on the keyboard and throwing yeah. something. And, like, people, like, um, like Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park, like, he, he's on Twitch, and, like, every Tuesday he'll draw. And then every Wednesday he'll make beats. And then every Thursday he'll mix said beats. And like, mm-hmm. like, like, you have platforms now where you can do some stuff like that. You can reach and, an audience. Yeah, and it's you know, crazy. It's crazy because you couldn't do that before. No, before it was like the artist, the rapper was your platform, mm-hmm. in a sense. You know, because there wasn't all these different outlets. And now I think today there's a, such more of a general kind of producer community that they're interested in seeing this stuff. They're interested in seeing kind of the behind the scenes stuff because these, you know, back in the day, you know, all the in-studio stuff, you know, making the stuff, mixing it was all, you know, hush-hush behind the scenes. Nobody knows how you're really doing it. You know, the only way you're going to figure that out is if you're there. And I think all this stuff, like, take like the Kenny Beats Twitch stream. Yeah. You know, like how (laughs) how much game he gives on that. You know, even stolen drums, you know, on his live stream, you know, how much game he gives and just showing like, this is what I do here. You know, check this out. If you do this, you can get this sound. You do that. You throw this and this together and bam, that you got that. His sessions are confusing as shit. (laughs) I don't know how he sets up stuff, how he does, but it works, I guess. Yeah. But it's crazy because like rappers, rappers are notoriously picky, like you never know what to send because like, mm-hmm. like coming back to the Sony thing, like I got an email today, like this rapper is looking for something that might sound very melody driven, big record, but could sound like the following. And the following list that they give is like 10 different artists that don't sound the same. And it's like, <laughs> how is a producer? Am I supposed to interpret that? Like, yeah. What do I send? Do I send, like, if you're a trap, a melodic trap rapper who also wants beats that sound like T-Pain, mm-hmm. how, what? Yeah. Like, yeah, how, how are you supposed to do that? Like, and then you got like the whole, like the trap soul wave of stuff too. Yeah. Like, cause those, you got like regular, like kind of trap music and then you got the trap soul and they're kind of subgenres, but they're very different in how they sound. Yeah. You know, trap soul is a lot of based around you know samples mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. When you have the just regular trap music is more just you know plug-in based and eight oh eights, lots of eight oh eights and hi hats. Oh yeah, but like rappers, like even like boom bap rappers. Well, I hate that term, fucking boom bap rappers. But like, <laughs> like I'm not gonna name drop at all. But some rappers, like I'll hit up or they'll hit me up. And it'll be like, yo, send me a pack. Cool. What's the sound that you're currently looking for? X, Y, Z. Cool. Send 15 beats. Crickets. And it's like, well, yo, did you, uh, did you listen? Yeah. 
I mean, they fit the lane, but, you know, it's not really what I'm going for. It's like, yeah, yo, like, why? Like, why Why ask? Like, you just wasted my time. Like, I could have done 12 other things. And yeah. it's it's bad because it's been happening for so long. And now mm-hmm. that, like, all of this artist freedom and producer freedom is starting to, like, come out and, you know, Kanye and his craziness tweeting about <laughs> label freedom you know pissing on the grammy <laughs> oh man i lost it when i saw that <laughs> that dude needs help like serious help but he like he was so i mean he was right he was making a lot of valid points because his contract was like shady as fuck but mm-hmm. i mean did your lawyer read it yeah i mean i understand you were in the rush to get the bag but yeah i mean i've been like uh, I've been in some conversations with some labels and stuff like that, and the contracts they give you, man, it's just not uh, it's no predatory. Problem. Yeah, it is. It really it's is. Super and, they, so, and they push and they push it on you too. You know, they're like, yeah. you know, they're like, come on, you got, you got, we only got so much time. You want this or not? You know, like, let's go. You know, yep. you want to, you want to do this? Like, come on. So I sp- I spoke on this a couple, like maybe twice, but this is this probably be the third time I've been speaking on this. So. Mac Miller's Kids gets re-released at the beginning of this year. And I got the contract to almost two years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. The contract, I don't, I'm not going to go into specifics, but there was no price bump. There was no point system. My name was wrong on the contract. Um, it was the r- completely wrong song that they said I produced for Mac. So, and there was no label advance. Like, I never got paid for that beat. Like, it got put on the album, it got released through Rostrum, it got put on Dat Piff, and then it fucking blew up. And I never got paid. So, I had my lawyer build in a cause where I get a producer advance. I'm like, yo, I want, I want 1500 That's it. Yeah. 1500 bucks. That's the... That's, that's not honest. bad. Like, for, for a song up like that with a big mixtape as kids was. Yeah. No, like, that's not bad at all. Like, Shit. it's modest. And I was like, there's no price bump. Like, I know for a fact that if you re-release this, it's going to go gold. Like, I I want a plaque on my wall. Like, give me a price bump. So we build in the contract. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait. We wait. February of this year comes around. Kids drops. My song's cut from the project. And I'm like, surprise. Now, double XL's hitting me up. Nah, right is hitting me up. <laughs> All these publications are hitting me up. I don't have a publicist. I don't know what the fuck to say to these people. Yeah. I'm like, you know, so Z from DJ Booth is like, yo, let me put out a statement. Let me find out what happened. I'm like, let me find out what happened because <laughs> sure, tracks are on here. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I never even heard back. So I um I did some digging and they blamed it on sample clearance. They said Man. that they couldn't get in touch with the artist that I sampled. I sampled a Japanese anime. Yeah. I ended up getting, t- getting in touch with the art, the artist myself. Yeah. yeah so, so if they couldn't I, do it with all of their fancy ties, I lost, I lost the battle at that point. I, yeah. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fight it. Like it, it was, it was too much of a fight and I had to, I had to make a public statement. Like it's, I guess it's due to sample clearance. It's out of my control. I can't do anything about it. Like, and it's, but it's like the labels, the labels find a way. 
and they will find like that's why i'm happy with with where i'm at with, with the b stars like, like it's not like they're not predatory at all and mm-hmm. it's it's those admin deals do exist like for you for you producers and and rappers and stuff those admin deals exist they do you just have to dig yeah. um sony is one of the best like don't ever do it at universal but <laughs> sony is one of the best out right now and they have such a roster and they're really working to try and get like sync like sync licensing and everything for everybody but it's it's such a waiting game and it sucks mm. but that's the whole legal system shit man oh, it's so it's so taxing but like you have to kind of find a way in and producing for yourself like I'm, I came up in a generation where you have to get a rapper on a beat. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me to keep putting out these beat tapes and, and to be around a producer community that just does it. Yeah. Like I have friends with major placements. Like one of my friends, Dream Life Beats, just got placed with Static Selecta with fucking Nas and Joey Badass. Like you oh, can't no. like. Yeah, I, I saw that track. Like, you know, but like my B tapes are getting thousands and thousands of spins on fucking audio Mac. Like I can't like, there's, there's a thin line between like what you want and what you really think you want Mm -hmm. and what's feasible. Yeah. And like, it's weird. These like, I swear it's because of COVID. Like I swear, like if COVID wasn't a thing, this whole game would be completely different today. Yeah. For real. I, I think like, in today's world like for me i like to work with a rapper like one-on-one like if i'm doing like a rap we're working with a rapper like we're doing a project you know i'm don't gonna be selling bees you know i've thought about you know going because i branch out of lo-fi stuff you know i kind of go into more um modern type production yeah. in a way not really trap but um a bit of influence of it you know it's kind of i try and like make my own sound with it um but I think, like, for me, the big thing is, like, if I'm working with a rapper, like, we're doing whole projects. You know, I'm going to be sitting there. I'm crafting. I'm sculpting the sound of this project. I'm working with you because I know you're a good fit for the project and for the sound that I'm sculpting. You know, and then, you know, with my mixing background and, you know, going to school for audio engineering and all that shit, you know, I'm basically doing the whole thing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm tracking it. I'm producing it. I'm mixing it. You know, the whole, the whole thing. So for me, it's very much, um, I like to be incredibly hands-on as a producer. You know, I don't like the idea of, oh yeah, here, here's a stereo file in my beat, you know, have fun, go, Mm -hmm. go do what you want with it. Go nuts. Have fun. Yeah. You'll never get the track back. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing, you know, and too, like I've noticed, um, you know, I listen to like stolen drums talk about this a bit, like and why he never really sold beats like that with artists. Cause it's just like, it, it feels like he's kind of um, prostituting his craft out in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, especially when it's like, um, you know, you just sell a beat, you know, here's a lease, here's a lease, here's a lease. And it doesn't feel as authentic, you know, but when you sit there with like one single artist and you go from front to back, you know, you produced it, you record it, you mixed it with the artist, right. you know, there you know, you have a lot more say and it feels a lot more authentic. Right. And my thing is, I mean, I do both. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm on, I'm on Beastars and I've been on Beastars for years. 
but it's more like they i'm using the platform because like i sell merch on the platform i sell mm. my tapes on the platform like i sell my drum like i only have one drum kit i'm working on another one but i sell that on the platform and i use it as a medium to try and promote my brand like i said mm-hmm. like i got these hats i got these sweatshirts like i i got like everything but i'm not like the beat selling is sporadic like yeah. my youtube views don't equate to the same as sales mm-hmm. and i can run ads all day and i have a target audience down but the conversion is just like studying all that stuff and studying keywords and studying like youtube algorithm hacks and like it's exhausting like it's yeah. so exa- so exhausting and i feel like at a certain point the algorithm is going to do what the algorithm is going to do it changes day by day and to yeah. try and think that you can keep up with it or find a, an in to hit the gold mine of it is is you're you're running a, a losing race there there's no in and yeah. like two months ago you could upload like six be- six videos in a day on youtube and you'll be fine now if you upload more than two the algorithm hates you and will punish you for it and it's like it's it's stupid and the race is just so like it's so tedious but more yeah. like on platform, it doesn't matter what platform you're on. If you're on Track Train, if you're on uh, Airbit, if you're on BeatStars, if you're on Timbaland's new thing, like it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have an external source to go back to your beat store. So yes. you're you're running ads, you're on YouTube, you're running Facebook ads, mm-hmm. you're boosting posts, you're running carousel ads, and it's it's exhausting. Yeah, and it's like. I don't mind selling, selling beats online. I don't mind it. It's some mm-hmm. passive income. Like it's helped me buy some of my gear. Like it, it works, but on the downside of it, like you said, like what happens if somebody leases the beat and it doesn't give you the 50, the 50% uh, cut for publishing in the contract, yep. then you've got to file a DMCA claim. Then you get the artist bitching at you. And then you have to deal with all that. Like I filed six DMCA claims this year and it's like the artist will be like, well, you know, I'll add you publishing now. Dog, like you should have done it in the first yeah. place. Like, yeah. and it's, 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 it's frustrating because like this, like for, I had one dude a couple months ago. He's a manager who manages like a 12 year old rapper. And the song was awful. And he used my beat <laughs> and the song was terrible. But the, they shot a $4,000 video okay full green screen effects the whole nine yeah and my tag is running through the beats <laughs> the song. so he pays for a 30 dollar lease to a four thousand dollar music video Jeez. like what is more what is, what is more important to you the music or the fucking visuals yeah talk and, about priorities in the wrong place Right. So you filed the DMCA claim, his music video that he just spent four grand on gets taken down. And then you're like, well, he's only a kid. Like he doesn't like dog. You you're your the manager. Beat. You're the like, manager. You bought the beat for him. Like how? Like, nah, man. So I tried, like you try and bargain with them and you know, it's sales. So you try yeah. and bargain with them. Like, yo, buy this a hundred dollar license. You'll get the untagged version. I'll take the DMCA claim down. Nine times out of 10, those people will not message you back ever. 
And I had a dude message me yesterday. Like, yo, uh, I'm, I'm interested in buying this beat. Cool. I can't afford $200. Okay. I'll throw you a discount code. Great. Crickets. Don't hear from them. I'm like, and like, I know that it's, it's sales and it's a business and it's something, but like drums did point out in his producer grind th uh, thing that he did try it for a little bit and it just didn't like, it was, eh. Yeah. And I know a lot of producers, like, uh, if, I don't know if you know who, who Eldre is and like Eldre, Ed Salenti, like all these dudes are shutting down their beat stores. Uh, yeah. Curtis, Curtis King shut his down. Yeah. I've heard, I know Curtis. Yeah. Like they, they shut them all down because number one, they didn't want to deal with this. Number two, they're making enough money streaming that you don't need to, like if you put out consistent beats on a streaming platform, like if someone buys it, if someone buys, like I, I had a meme up, I think it's still there on my Instagram where if you buy an instrumental album, off a producer one track that you purchased is equal to 130 plays an yep. 11 song um like beat tape that you purchased for like 13 dollars or whatever on itunes then equates to almost double that for the person that you bought it from mm -hmm. like that's great like that's crazy but if you stream it you get fucking half a penny like yeah. but if you purchase it it doubles so you'd make more money consistently doing that than, no, real. than releasing beats online. Like some people do make, like, I, like I got to give props where, where, you know, credit where credit's due. Like Othello Beats, like he makes a killing on BeatStars. Like he, him, Mantra and Beat Demons and those guys. But when you start to really like take in, it's like the same, like seven guys. Like they're all like, they're killing the charts. Mm -hmm. and if you try and apply their methods to your own stuff like their sound is not your sound no so it's the beat leasing game is hiring but yeah. it's it's semi-rewarding like i would have never been able to buy my push my 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 complete keyboard uh this all this stuff in the studio like i would have never been able to buy it if it wasn't for selling beats online but at the same time like i still have upgrades that i want like I could use a new audio interface and some new studio. I'm running some 12 year old KRK fives. Like I would love some, uh, some JBLs or some Yamahas or something like, Yeah. but it, it doesn't, nothing ever works out that way. And it's, it's hard and it's frustrating, but like the grind as an artist, like now it's, it's more, you have to be out there. Like you have to put your face out there. You have to, you can't just be a guy behind a computer screen. No, for you, can't, no. you can't just be like a guy, like not showing your, if people don't know who you are, like how are you, you introduce yourself to somebody like they're not going to, and it's, that's why the importance of a producer being on these platforms, being on Twitch, being on YouTube, being on Mixcloud and whatever else is out there. Like, yeah, I think content is really, is king at the moment. Yeah. You know, like the, especially as a producer, like, cause the more you kind of put yourself out there, the more people are going to know who you are or just a chance that they can come across your work or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like I'm looking at like, I'm basically like, this is the first uh, video I'm putting up on my YouTube page, like mm -hmm. this podcast. And then I plan on going like full in depth with like mixing tutorial classes and, you know, plug-in reviews, the whole nine yards, like production tips and just, content 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 
right. you know, and have something at least once a day and to be able to like um, repurpose content too. You know, like I have these podcasts, you know, someday fucking four months down the road, I don't have like an Instagram post for the day, say. If I can go in to these Drop podcasts, fucking take a clip out, you know, mm-hmm. 30, 45 second clip that it drops a little bit of knowledge. Fucking bam, content right there. Yep. It's simple. Yep. It's, and it's, it's crazy that it's that simple because mm-hmm. you like people don't, people don't think of their content. And that's, that's the, that's another problem is that you can post a meme. Cool. But like I reposted, I reposted a piece of content today that I regretted and took it down immediately, but it was, it was a meme of, again, for that, that rapper scam. And it was, it was Redman, And uh, he was like, you know, tag a rapper who's hot. Hmm. and keith murray <laughs> tagged himself <laughs> underneath <laughs> of the bottom I, re- I posted it and i was like ah that's important yeah, I, think I, I took it down i'm like uh, <laughs> like it's funny it's hilarious but i'm i gotta take it down like i can't yeah. i can't put that out there but it's more like like i've noticed drums is on twitch again every day yeah. like the, no he's like, been going uh, heavy lately and he's putting content out every day and yep. There's some other like producers that I felt like Chris Puncelon. He's he's out every day. He has a new YouTube video out every other day. Beats yep. by Danny every other day. Kenny beats every other yep. day. That's and, what I want to get on. Like I've been doing the 30 yeah. day beat challenge just to get myself warmed up. Yeah. You know, and I feel like like that. You know, my setup with that it, alone, if I was just to do that, would be a little bland. You know, for the right. rest of fucking however long. You know, that's why I want to branch into all sorts of other different types of content, like the podcast stuff, like the, the tutorial stuff, the tip stuff, you know, all sorts of different stuff to be able to diversify the, the content because the, you know, everybody likes to listen to beats, you know, but if all you're doing is just putting music up and music up and music up, cool, but what else you got, you know? Yeah. You know, there's not, there's some personality in it, but there's not really much, that value in it you know like i can go on to spotify right. i want to listen to beats or i can go on spotify all day you know i don't need to go to instagram for that but it's just more of a i don't know it's more of like an exercise in a sense i feel like the 30-day beat challenge thing just right. as a just training the the daily posting the daily video editing the daily content muscles mm-hmm. to be able to just crank out stuff every day i did it back in what month are we in? October, September. I think I did it back in July. I did hmm. thirty. It's like thirty straight, thirty straight beats for thirty days. Yeah. And I felt that like, I felt that the views like, I was literally posting like this beat, this YouTube video, this Instagram post, this beat, this video, this is like over and over and over and over again. And if you're consistent, and like, there's some things that like people don't think about like. Like my whole thing, my whole studio right now is like purple or pink and like your whole studio is like blue, like Mm -hmm. color, like color matters. Like people, like if you look at like, um, like even some of, some of our folk, like you look at drums, you look at complete, you look at crip, like they're like the way that they have like me, like I'm trying to get my camera set up and everything. Like Mm -hmm. the way they have their videos is so like different is so crisp and detailed, but they keep their own color and their own look on things. Yep. And 
it's important because if like people keep seeing that's the dude with the purple like that's the dude with the blue that's that's the dude that's always doing this or like that has this or that like is always showing his dog on the live stream like he's like it's that psychology yeah it's something it's something and if you continue to keep doing that something more and more people are going to show up and more and more people are going to they'll recognize it yeah you know i know like even so like uh with the, my videos with the 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 30 day beat challenge they've been at a steady you know amount per video you know give or take you know 15 20 but at the same time you know now whenever i show up in like a hashtag search or something like that somebody's like oh i've seen this before you know so there's that there's that kind of recognition whether they you know you know fully you know dive into it like it comment interact with it or any way but they at least see it and it's just that clicks in their mind oh you know i've seen this this setup before i've seen him do this before right you know so you know and it's it's been a little i'm about halfway through and it's been a little slow like on the um but it's also been rewarding because i've basically like completely organic growth within i'm on like day 12 13 and i've already gained about you know just shy of 100 followers yeah you know, for 12, 13 days of consistent posting, you know, that's not that bad for, you know, a small time, you know, under, under 500 follower producer at the moment, you know? And it's, it's more, it's more of like, well, some of the, some of the beats you've been posting on there are fucking incredible, by the way, but the, um, (laughs) yeah, it's more of like, if you keep doing that, like, people people pay for like i never understood the idea of paying for followers like it's Mm. it's stupid to me but like you can go on every day if you made the actual conscious effort to go online every day and make a beat in front of the camera every day like learn yourself a little bit of premiere like learn yourself obs like learn some things like learn photoshop like i learned photoshop and premiere in two days like yeah you can learn the basics in an hour like youtube is there youtube university man i swear like like, that it's real like the fact that like we keep i keep going back to drums but like his tutorials like i watched his camera tutorial like 11 times trying to get Mm -hmm. this set up like and it's it's more like you have it out there it's out there and people can watch it over and over and over and over again and just learn something like I can go on right now and, and do a Photoshop tutorial of how I did my logo and how I did this in illustrator and how I like, how I created stuff yeah. and the views will go crazy, but like mm-hmm. I already did it. Like it's already yeah. done. It's on my head. It's on my shirt. So I can't really do that tutorial anymore. But if you're shooting it all the time and you're shooting like consistently, people are going to recognize. And then like, you know, you never know, like swinging back to the first conversation we had, like, you never know who's watching, you never know yep. who's really listening or like looking at your posts. And mm-hmm. I know sometimes people get excited because like people start viewing your Instagram stories and well, oh my God, what? You're telling me that game and Cassidy viewed my, po-? it's not really them, but no, you know, <laughs> I know that. But it's more like, somebody could hit you up on a dm and just be like yo i saw this or like i heard you on this podcast mm-hmm. or i saw you on this video on instagram and dope shit dope. yeah and, and i think like a lot of producers kind of that don't do that kind of work themselves into a corner mm-hmm. i see a good amount of producers that like 
they have like a lot of followers, but I don't see them doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it doesn't, there's no conversion to any business, to any real substance that they can use, you know? And I just think like, man, if I had that audience, like what I could do with that, you know? Yeah. Act. Like, and speaking on consistency, like, all right. So like Othello beats, right? He is one of the biggest selling producers on, on the B-Size platform uh, and possibly on YouTube, but he's literally posted Meek Mill and Rick Ross type beats every day for the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. G Herbo beats, right? G Herbo, Rick Ross, Meek Mill, G Herbo, Rick Ross, Meek Mill, over, 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 over again. To the fact that he was ranking so high that Meek Mill found a beat that he liked out of Othello's thing and recorded a fucking track to it. Yeah. Like, you don't know like if you're if if you're doing it over and over and over and over you're gonna someone's gonna listen like someone's bound to listen and it's it's crazy because like you don't think so like you just think you know it's habitual i'm just gonna and if you don't stick to the habit like i'm reading a book right now called atomic habits and the the author was a, a baseball player and he um, took a ball to the head and it, it temporarily paralyzed him for some time. Mm. And he ended up like having to relearn basic shit, like how to walk and how to hold a pencil and like how to, and like he had to like train his brain to do it over and over and over again. And then he's yeah. like, well, I found the building the habits for that. Like I can build habits for other things. Like, well, now that I can learn how to walk, maybe I should go running every day. Well, then mm. I lost weight because I was running every day. Like, it's more getting into it. Like I, I hand to God am the worst with habits. Like I'm terrible with any sort of habits. I'm trying to get better, Yeah. but it's more, I'll come down here every day. I get home from school, two thirty, three o'clock. I'll go, I'll change. I'll sit down here and bang out like three beats. And then yeah. I'm like, just chill for the rest of the night. But it's more, if I don't, if I like, I hate myself if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. And like I may, I haven't made anything today because I just bought a new laptop and I'm trying to, I literally installed Omnisphere and then it filled my hard drive. So now I can't have Omnisphere on my laptop. So <laughs> I'm like, uh, what do I do? Yeah. Um, but the, like, if you don't, you end up hating yourself if you're not habitual. And that's why I think like doing these 30 day B challenges is perfect because mm. you can do that and you can, go back to like day one and be like, man, that video sucked. Like maybe I should do this or yeah. I, I saw a producer. I can't remember who it was. Um, had his TV on in the background and his 30 day beat challenge was he would flip a different Nintendo sample every day mm-hmm. for 30 days. And whatever game he was flipping that, that day was playing on the TV in the background while he was making the beat. That's dope. And people ate that shit up like crazy. Like, yo, he's flipping Mega Man while also playing Mega Man in the back. Yo, (laughs) like, like people go nuts. And it's like, I saw that and I was like, yo, that's a fantastic idea. Like you would never think that something's so simple and so like mundane Yeah, that people would like go nuts. Like people fucking watch. I'm 30, 34. Okay. I play the old school video games. Mm-hmm. I have a, a modded Super Nintendo classic. I'll play every game ever on that Super Nintendo. There's people that literally sit on YouTube all day and watch others play 
Super Nintendo. Oh yeah. Like, yep. why don't you just play the game yourself? Nah, I can't do it. I'm gonna watch this guy do it. Like, why? But they'll yeah. sit and they'll mindlessly watch it for hours. I find the mentality of those type of people really fascinating. Right. In some ways, you know, like, and I think like it's kind of. You know, I don't want to be like judgy, but I think it's kind of like a toxic mind state at the same time, you know, just like somebody like, I like, cool, you know, come follow my stuff, you know, watch it, you know, all you want, you know, but at yeah. the same time, like, if that's all you're doing with your life during the day, man, like, ah, uh, come on. Hey, you didn't post a beat today. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm losing my mind. Like, you know, like, get on, get on your purpose. Like, <laughs> it's like, it make it literally makes no sense yeah uh, i mean i don't mind the thought like cool come follow me watch what i do but like have a life do yeah. something but like i find like <clears throat> i don't want to be like the guy that do, like but i think like trying to find different ways to do content mm. is challenging now because like producers have already done the let me go out into nature and make a beat mm-hmm. and people have like I had this idea to do this before it was a thing where I put out a first beat tape called public transportation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And every sample that I flipped for that beat tape was a beat that I found while on my phone, taking the bus to work every day mm. because there was no parking at my, at my job. So I had to take the bus. Yeah. So I called the public transportation. So I was taking the bus and I was like, yo, wouldn't it be cool if I did like a video series with this too, where I was making mm-hmm. the beats for the thing on the bus, like with yeah. my machine micro, like pretending to make the beats on the bus, like that'd be cool. Yeah. I never did it. And now all of a sudden I see people like, yo, I'm taking the bus. I'm like, Fuck, man, like I missed out. Like I could have been doing this like years ago. Like, ah. Yeah, no, uh, that's why I like having the 404, you know, yeah. just make a fucking, make a beat, fucking take that with you out to the fucking, middle of nowhere in the woods somewhere just fucking make a video i haven't done that with the 30 day beat challenge yet but i want to at least do a couple nature ones because honestly i think those did a lot better than fucking my regular setup videos do but at the same time like it's you know i think the uh, it's hard to say like you want to make the best stuff but it's it's hard to find the balance of exploring new content and trying to do things while staying consistent right because when you do when you're in that exploratory mode it's hard it's it's more vulnerable for shit to not go the way you expected it right like because there's been a couple nature videos i do i go out and do it and i get back and i bring it back and i'm like oh fuck something fucked up you know the angle was all fucky you know this is all weird i can't get it lined up with this or you know whatever the case may be and you're just like fuck what am i going to do today for this content you know and it's 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 weird because like now look how popular like standalone controllers are now. Mm. Like it's like you got Akai's out and you got I hate native that machine plus is, <laughs> how can you be standalone if you have to plug it into a wall? Yeah, yeah. I was just think I thought about that too when they came up with that. I'm like, eh, doesn't sound too standalone to me. I I thought about that. And then, like, Eldre said it in his new video. He was like, yo, I was going to buy this, but, like, it's not really standalone because you, you need to plug it in. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is it really standalone if you have to plug it in? 
So like that NPC is like a game changer, but that shit is so expensive, so mm-hmm. pricey. Um, like that that Ableton that Ableton leak from like a month ago where it was like oh, Ableton's coming three. out with a standalone. It was like, oh, oh and then it just, the push three leak. Yeah, then it was fake. And it was yeah. like, ah, oh. yeah, yeah, I saw sad. that. Sad, sad time. <laughs> but like, this thing's a fucking brick. Like, where are you gonna bring this? Like, yeah. Like, I saw somebody. Uh, there's a company that makes a carrying case for this, and you can put the push on top of like. So you put your laptop on the bottom, and then you put your push like this foam, like a foam middle. Mm-hmm. You put your push on top, and then you put the foam on top, and it's like a fucking briefcase for your push and laptop. The thing's like humongous, <laughs> but it's like you can't really bring this anywhere. That's why like it's cool to have the content, but like you have to be conscious about the gear. Like mm-hmm. what are you sacrificing for the content? Your back, like you're bringing your camera, your laptop, your push, you're lugging it up hills and going through the woods and like doing it like it's too much, too much. I'm overweight. I don't want to do that shit. Like, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's, it, it all depends. And yeah. like, I'll do some funny shit. Like I'll like, I'll sit in front of my camera and be like, so today, like I, uh, I bought this and this is John Cena nice. and it says, it says word life on his knuckles. And like, I'll do, I'll do stupid shit like that. Like I'll be like, yo, this is John Cena. And like, just make a beat. But like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit out in my backyard. Well, it's plus Rhode Island's weather is shit. Like, yeah. it, I swear it's going to snow tomorrow, but no, no I'm in pain, um, man. I know how that feels. It's <laughs> the new England weather is fucking fucky. No, it rained. It wasn't supposed to rain. And then it rained all day today. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to be 76 tomorrow. <laughs> 82 the next day. And then it's going to drop back down to the 40s. It's like, yo. Welcome I'm to fall in New England. I'm going to catch pneumonia before I catch COVID. Like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, Real. you can't win. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, this shit is important. It's important. And I, I, try and like if if people ask me for advice in regards to producing like find a sound or find like two sounds and stick with it and Mm -hmm. don't like yeah i mean you could be diverse cool like i i consider myself mildly diverse i mean i don't make like super 8080 trap stuff but like i have trap records but it's it's like find a niche and like just stay there Mm -hmm. but try and branch out yeah like because if you can do that like i know it sucks like today i was having like one of those days where i'm like fuck man like all these fucking people want trap beats but like (laughs) you have to think about it this way like you're in it for what are you in it for Mm. are you in it to make the music or are you in it to make the money true and if you're in it to make the money you'll end up like the migos and little yachty and all these people like if you're in it to just make the money you're not gonna be happy at the end of the day you'll make your money yeah. but you that's your legacy yeah you know, like i there was this interview that um kenny beats was doing i forgot who it was with uh oh i think uh pensado's place mm-hmm. um podcast and he was talking about you know before he got into like making rap beats and stuff like that he was like heavy into edm and he reached a point just like man if i get fucking hit by a bus tomorrow that's gonna be my legacy I didn't even want to do that shit. I was mm-hmm. just doing that shit to make money. 
you know, and that would be my legacy. And he was just like, no, fuck that. So he just went and started making a fuck ton of, you know, hip hop shit that he really wanted to make. Yeah. Wouldn't make him money off the top or at first. And he just kept doing it. And you have to, because like, like you can't, you can't dig your like you don't want to dig yourself into a hole but like you don't want to be somebody else either hmm. like you don't want to sound like you don't want to sound like every other producer out there like i i had a very like i one of my earliest projects that i produced on just got put on streaming platforms and i listened to it in the car the other day and i had my wife in the car and, and we were listening to it and i was like She's like, what is this? And I was like, this is one of my first records like that I had out on CD. Like, and she's like, this beat is meh. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, I know. And listening to that and then listening to like my beats now, you can hear the growth, but at the same time, it's like, man, your my sound was fucking awful back then mm. like i think i used the same hi-hat and the same snare and like 16 beats like Oof. straight up and i there was like a there was a time when i was using my machine and i was doing that too where i i had the true school kit from uh from native instruments that i used true school snare number two and open hi-hat eight on 30 something beats and like <laughs> i never changed them the only thing i changed was the, the kick that's the only thing i changed in every single one of those beats or maybe an 808 and <laughs> it was so bad like it was so bad and i'll listen to them now and i'll be like yo nah like nah, there's nah. no way <laughs> like what was i thinking making this yeah but you no know, i think like that's one thing that all producers kind of learn as they go along like how important the sound selection really is mm -hmm. you know and like yeah that one snare is smacking all the time you really like it but that one snare doesn't go with everything man you know no. that, that, that no. synth sound you got or that sample that you got that snare does not meld with that fucking shit there's producers that learn that way too late yep. like there's a <laughs> a-rap music okay mm -hmm. A-Rap music is from Rhode Island, okay? Yep, yep. He, he grew up with a few friends of mine. And if you listen to his earlier beats, same snare, same kick, same random scream with a chopped up sample. Literally, like, yep. over and over and over and over and over and over. Might be a different drum pattern, but it's the same. Yep. And then if you listen to his beats now, you're like, there's no way he made that. Like I, I know him when he was making that. And like even his like smack is a, a rhythm roulette. It was like a completely different sound. Mm. And it's important to get away from that. Like when I first came up, I was in love, love with that generic ninth wonder snare. Yeah. So like I loved it was and you know what's funny is because I have all my drum kits up and I know exactly where it is. Um, <laughs> it is this snare, uh, OG snare one, where is it? Uh, that. I use this snare in maybe a good every beat for two years. Like, because I, 
I grew up on Ninth Wonder. So I was like, yeah. I'm just going to make every beat, make every beat sound like Ninth Wonder. I don't care what sample it is. I'm just going to do this kick and this snare and this hi-hat on every single beat. And I'm not Ninth Wonder. So even Ninth Wonder can't be Ninth Wonder. So Ninth Wonder has to change the sound. Yeah. So it's more like you can't, like you can't do it. And I hear producers who literally like, they'll submit to like Timbaland's Twitch. And these beats are just so bad. Like they're so, <laughs> they're so bad. And it's, and he just like, it's just like next, like, ne like just, <laughs> next. But like to that producer, that's a dope beat. Yeah. And like thinking, like thinking about that, like, okay, it's cool. It's, it's dope to you. Great. Like we, uh, for, for those of you who are tuning in and, and want a little insight into our, our discord chat, we had a, uh, like a, a really terrible beat challenge where you literally had to post like one of your terrible ass beats. I couldn't find mine. Mine is somewhere. I, I think I know where it is. It's on a CD-ROM, but I don't have a computer with a CD-ROM anymore. But the, the beat was called Break Your Jaw and it had the Ja Rule holla holla noise <laughs> with the Neptune's guitar, <laughs> the Neptune's snare, um, the the um random noise the synth noise from juveniles ha and it was in three-fourths time at 118 bpm Ooh, and there oh, was a frankenstein and there was no pattern <laughs> it was just sound and oh man i thought it was the dopest shit in the world and <laughs> I was like, yo, I made my first beat. And then like, I played it for like 10 people and they were like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't quit your job. Like, don't. Yeah, I think like <laughs> a lot of producers, like when they're starting out, they think that new, you know, something like really out there is, you know, great and like groundbreaking. But at the same time, I always like to think of, you know, keep it simple, stupid. Mm hmm. You know, because if you listen to like some of the biggest hits, especially of the past, you know, 20, 30 years, they're loops, simple, yes. you know, four, eight bar loops that some switch ups, a chorus comes in, they build up and some shit changes around, you know, maybe the, the pattern changes, you know, they add another melody on top or two and then they go right back to the fucking same four, eight bar loop. Yeah. You know, and I think like, I think there you can easily overproduce something, especially when it comes to you know rap and hip hop genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree a hundred and ten percent. But like some of the simplest hip hop beats, like like Otis, mm -hmm. like that beats a, it's a, it's a looped sample. Yep. with no drums. There's yep. literally no drums, and it's just a loop sample, and it's Jay Z and Kanye rapping their asses off, and it's more like you listen to stuff like that and then you like go back you can easily look at that and then you can easily look at like uh maybach music um mm -hmm. with with t-pain and, and ross and the way the justice league just built a cinematic universe around that sample mm -hmm. and then you'll listen to like i don't know wop <laughs> <laughs> what's that yeah. You know, there's no, 
there's no real like gathering or real thinking behind it and the the simple the simplicity of it can sometimes get too simple mm-hmm. um there's a beat on uh on on Benny's album that's like you listen to it and you're like all right that could have been there could have been just like a little bit more like a little yeah. bit a little bit more the some of the beats on the J Electronica on the new J Electronica are like that too like all right, cool. I know where this was gonna go. But I need a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's definitely it's a it's a balance between overproducing and underproducing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's uh finding that balance is hard because you can find a great sample with like the greatest instruments and the greatest sounds and everything, and it still sound like shit at the end of the day. Yep. If you because drum drum selection could ruin it. One random added instrument could ruin it. Yep. Um, you could add the wrong plug-in to it, and the sound just sounds like crap. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, we were poking fun of plugins yesterday, but it's more like adding certain things to the beat could kill it, and yep. you don't want to kill it because you you don't know who's gonna like it. But at the same time, like the simplest beats sell the most like even in the online community like i upload i have a beat ready to go that's literally a loop sample yep that's gonna be uploaded soon but i've played it for like 10 people already and people when's that coming out it's a loop sample it's all it is there's no drums yeah i I need it okay yeah well look at um with Gibbs and Alchemist. Yeah. Like some of the tracks on that were just basically just sample flip. They just flipped samples with no fucking, mostly the, there was one track, the one that he did with Conway, that shit was just lifted straight, yeah. just fucking lift it right out of the original yep. track, the sample. And that's it. No drums, no nothing else. And it's crazy because producers like Al, like, like Al has been doing that for years. Like Al, like one of my favorite albums of all time is Alchemist First Infantry. Like that, mm-hmm. that album is fucking incredible because it's like so the beats on that album were just so like dark and gritty but at the same time they were like all right cool like i know where al's going and like some of his beat tapes over the last like few and the fucking albums he did with currency are like out of this world and like uh that um that one where he had the full metal alchemist sample um it's just the sample looped and Alphonse Elric talking in the background and currency's just spitting for like four and a half minutes. And it's like, like those beats there, like people overlook them all the time, but rappers like currency and Freddie Gibbs, like eat that shit up. And it's mm-hmm. like finding, finding it all goes back to finding the niche. Like Al, Al found his, but Al, you like, you wouldn't even know some of the records that he produced. And like, even a producer like, like Tim Kelly, like Tim Kelly was part of Tim and Bob and was one of the biggest R&B duos of all time, like production wise. And I found out maybe, God, six months ago that he produced the fucking thong song. Like, I, I didn't know until he was on Instagram live and he was in the studio with Cisco and they're remastering the song for like the, 
like 20 something anniversary of the song and he's remaking the beat like hmm. right there he was like this is the snare i used this is the the sample loop this is this on the mp2500 and i'm like jeez you made that beat like, <laughs> really and now i have to go on wikipedia and i have to see what the discography says and i need like you don't know like the producer that's killing it this year is fucking hit boy Oh, yeah, he's on an amazing year. He's on everything. Like, he's on literally every album that's come out this year. Like, he's on Styles P's album. He's on Benny's album. He's on fucking uh, Nas. Like, he's like he's everywhere. Even and, on the major release, like, the big, like, big artists, like, you know, the, yeah. you know, the mainstream artists, too. He's got placements on those. Yeah. And he's, like, you go back and you look at his discography, like, your question like oh okay yeah he's been doing this for a while like rant like rants from 1500 to nothing same thing like he mm-hmm. they've been making beats for diddy for fucking forever and it's like so is hit boy and so is like all these folks like but you never think of it now like yo i had that new producer that did this like he's not new no <laughs> he's, he's been doing this for forever and like even some beats like 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 uh i just <laughs> forgive me I just found out recently that fucking Pharrell did all right by Kendrick Lamar. And yeah. I, I didn't know that. And <laughs> you were like, dude, like that, the, the skip at the beginning gives it away. That's Pharrell's thing. And I'm like, I, I didn't know. Like I didn't, I, I legitimately, I thought that, um, that Dahi did it. And I thought, I thought Dahi did the beat. And I'm like, there's no, like, no, Pharrell didn't do that. And I went on title because it showed up on the produced by Neptune's playlist on title. Mm. And I'm like, no, no, nah. <laughs> I, I hit the info button. I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> but you don't like, then if you go back and you look at the Neptune's discography, Pharrell did that really? Oh yeah. Well, uh, I think it was what, 2003 Pharrell had like some ridiculous percentage of the, all the songs on the yeah. radio. Like it was some, it was over fifty percent of basically all the hit songs on the radio were produced by Pharrell. Mm-hmm. It was him and Timbaland. Yep. Him and Timbaland, like, t- like, t- like even Tim, like some of the jams. Like I know Tim. Like a lot of people say, like he's got ghost producers. Like Danger's been producing for him for years and blah blah whatever. But Timbaland, like, send him samples and he flips the samples. And yeah, it is still. It's still people. He's the one. He's curated. He's become more of a curation producer than an actual like hands-on. You know, I'm gonna play this producer. But even still, at the same time, like you had, like just the shift where, all right, cool. Pharrell did an entire Justin Timberlake album. Then Timberland did an entire Justin Timberlake album. Mm -hmm. Then they both did an entire Justin Timberlake album. (laughs) Now you have like. Two different, two of the best producers in the game producing for one guy that literally every other song on the radio for like a year was Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that this one made this beat or this one made this beat because they all pretty much blend together. And going back to like Alchemist, like you could easily look at like Alchemist and Havoc and sometimes not be able to tell the difference. Yeah. And like you can look at, some of the people on Ninth's roster, like Ninth and Crisis, like you couldn't, couldn't tell the difference half the time. But really looking at stuff like that and really trying to really pull it forward, I think 
having a sound to emulate that's why like i hate when people say like oh you're just a tight beat producer like tight beat is such a fucking like that term is just so stupid like they people try and fit and ostracize the online beat community by saying that you're a tight beat producer but like my thinking of what a tight beat producer is if i got in the studio today and produced a record that i think freddie gibbs would jump on tomorrow that is a Freddie Gibbs type beat. Yeah. I think the whole type beat thing, I think, is more of like a marketing thing than anything. Right. You know, and I mean, because it's like you got an artist, you got an artist that, you know, thinks, oh, I'm like this artist, you know, where I want to emulate this artist or, you know, I'm really inspired by this artist. Right. And then, well, what better way to look up beats that sound like said artist? By doing that. Yeah go on YouTube, type it in. And I think that's where this conversation like really comes around full circle. And the fact that like, if you want to sound like alchemist, you can sound like alchemist, but you're not alchemist. Like Mm -hmm. you could emulate the sound all you want. And like, I thought I was the shit because I would make beats that sound like ninth wonder, but I'm not ninth wonder. So it's more, like what is what is your end goal do you want to be pharrell or do you want to be your self like your producer Mm -hmm. because i can make beats that sounds like alchemist all day but at the same time what does that beat really sound like well it could sound like a griselda beat it could sound like something conway would get on it could sound like something freddie would get on it could sound like something currency could get on eminem like like all these people have jumped on alchemist beats before so you can do that. Yeah. But, and I think like, you know, every beat that you do make or every piece of music that you do make, there's a bit of your own self that you're never going to not have in them. You know, you're going to have that specific, your sound. Mm-hmm. You can try and run away from it. You can try and, you know, change it up as much as you want, but no matter what you create, there'll always be that, that, hint of your sound in it yes agreed 110 percent. because you can be you can be anybody i can be this guy i can be that guy but unless you're you especially like how do you introduce yourself to a to an a&r yeah hi i am mike and i sound like nice wonder yeah probably not gonna Wait. go too well bye yep door like for real like we we joke around in our thing where we say where we disclaimer like you know everyone (laughs) has a disclaimer for everything but like if your disclaimer is hi i'm coming in here and i'm sounding like these eight producers the anr is gonna say hi great to meet you please walk out that door and uh, don't come back yeah because especially like as an anr you're looking for something new yeah looking for the new sound like oh cool you sound like all these producers that were hot 10 years ago great I don't yeah. want no interest. No. And you can't like, and even like songwriting, like I know a lot of people who, who have events where you'll put a producer and a songwriter together and then they'll say, I want the next sound. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the next sound? Like what, what is it? We yeah. don't, we don't know. So like we can get in and we can make something that sounds relevant to today. Cool. Like, I can get in, I can sit down and I can make a beat that sounds like Rick Ross would get on it in 10 minutes. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, it's so easy at this point for me, but it's, 
being able to sit down and actually curate the song. And like you said, like being able to, as an audio engineer, to sit down and really like curate how it's supposed to sound. Like maybe Ross will get on it today. Maybe he'll get on it next year. Like it, it all depends. But if you're an A&R and you're looking at these things, or if you're like, if you're just some rapper, Joe Schmo rapper, like, what are you really looking for? Like, are you jumping on the internet and typing like Rick Ross type beat? Or are you like looking for, I don't want to pay the justice league's fee. So I'm looking for somebody that sounds like them mm-hmm. where I don't have to pay the fee. Yeah. Like, what are you really looking for? Yeah. And I think and, that some artists need to be real with themselves and like, think about like, are they just trying to ride a wave or they're trying to create their own? You know, I think that's a, that's a, a, a deep question. Not a lot of artists are really yeah. fully, you know, digesting. They want to ride the wave. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to ride the wave. And what's sad is that if you ride the wave, you'll end up like, like Yachty. Like I almost feel bad for Yachty after watching the, the, um, I forget what blog they were on, but it was like, it was all of QC after QC broke up because of the bad business. And Yachty came in and he was like, yeah, I was supposed to put out three more albums and I wanted to go a different direction and they didn't want me to. They wanted me to stay as the popcorn, Mm. you know, radio friendly rapper. And he's like, I got the target deal and I ran with the money and then you never heard from me again. Yeah. He's like, you know, He's like, I feel bad because I want to make more music, but I can't because I'm a slave to this sound. Like yeah. you hear you hear little Bo or little Yachty and you're gonna want the <laughs> like that's all you're gonna want. Yeah. And and like Migo said the same thing. And like look at Waka Flocka, like Waka Flocka signed one of the worst contracts you could possibly get in with oh, Universal. God, yeah. And he he got into a 360 and then got out of the 360 and then weaseled themselves back into a 360. Like, like you can't, and now he can't put on any music because if he puts on any music, it goes straight to the label. And, you know, having them all really put that into perspective, like you go to see like, okay, what, what is it that you really want? Like if you're looking for that sound and you want to stay with that sound and you want to be that sound, Great, but what other 90 rappers are, like, what other 90 rappers, what other 90 producers are doing that sound? What other people, what other genre can you get into? Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I think, in my personal opinion, Little Nas X blew up the way he did because he was a country rapper. Yeah, he found the niche and it fucking blew. Besides Bubba Sparks, like, who else did that? Like, Mm -hmm. who, who else did that? Nobody, like... He got on with the full tight spurs and the cowboy hat and fucking rode his way all up to millions of dollars. Yeah. And like, and he, fun fact, he bought that beat off beat stars. He, leased oh, yeah. the fucking, he fucking yeah. leased the beat. Uh, off I heard beat that stars. whole story. Like it. And it's like, you find it and you get it. You'll probably never hear another album from little Nas X, but it's more like he had it. He made it. Now he's good. Yeah. But get your money, get out. Yeah. And get out. Like Yachty, he's out. He's done. He yep. got the target money. He's done. He's gone. Yep. You know, you'll never hear another. I'll live a cushy life. Right. And you get that endorsement. You're, you're not making any more music. And like, do you really want to do that though? Like, are you looking for the bag? Uh, everyone's looking for the bag, but like, are you looking for the bag and then trying to get out? 
Like, <laughs> I always say to myself jokingly, like, if I had $500,000 today, I'm good. Like, I'm straight. Like, I'll pay off all my bills and I'll pay off my student loans and I'll be good. And I'll just sit. Yeah. But, like, is that what I really want? Like, yeah. I mean, I think, like, like <laughs> you got to have some sense of purpose, too. Like, yeah, okay. You got to have, like, an, uh, a lot of self knowledge with it. You know, you got to know what you want with it. Because you make that, you make that bag, you're out of the game. Well, now what the fuck are you going to do with your life? Are you just going to sit in your fucking house and, you know, spend the rest of your money just, you know, sitting there? Like, really? That's how your legacy is going to go out? Yeah. Like logic. Like logic. Yeah. <laughs> What's like? I was so sad when like he, these past couple. Yeah. I was so like, sad hearing that. I was just like, oh. Is, no logic no come on like, like come on man like and now he's like on instagram like i regret this <laughs> no shit like <laughs> really you do you like how what do you like do you cash out like you cash out you get your money from the thing and now like you can sit around and play video games all day like that's great but like it's just boring you can only do that shit for so long how much yeah. madden can you possibly fucking play like you can't like i play I played fucking Dragon Ball for an hour and I want to fucking just throw my controller. Like, I don't want to do this. I can't even play video games anymore, man. Like, I can't even do it. Like, I try and sit down and do it. Like, and I, I, I get restless, you know, like, I'm like, uh, I need to be doing, like, I feel bad. Like, I'm like, I need to be doing something. Like, I could be, you know, working out right now. I could be making beats right now. I could be all sorts of doing all sorts of other shit to, you know, do something, you know, progress in some area or some aspect. Yep. And it's like, I love, I love, I love me a good video game. Like uh, depending on the game, like I'll sit down and play it. Like I got the new Tony Hawk and I fucking love it because I played Tony Hawk when I was younger in high mm-hmm. school and I loved it. Like I still have a Dreamcast and played the original too. But like now I play this one and I'll like get lost for like hours. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be like, man, I was so unproductive. Like I just sat and played fucking Tony Hawk all day. Like how do people do that? Yeah, like you get yourself into these holes like i could never do what logic's doing right now like there's no like you gotta have a weird vision of what your career is going to be or should be to do that like to Mm -hmm. go be on twitch all day like i don't mind being on twitch i can only be on twitch for like an hour before i get bored like yeah I, I make beats on Twitch for an hour and then I'll be like, all right, I gotta go. Like I, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, do I, I gotta do something. Cause like, I can't, I can't be in front of my computer anymore, but like artists today, like, I mean, every conversation we've had so far all goes back to like being like all really like what, what is the path that you're on and what are you trying to do? And like, what, where do you want to go? And for these kids, like, like last year I taught high school, and a few of my students were trap rappers and the music was terrible, but like they were recording out here and I heard they, they knew I made beats and they played me their songs and they were awful. And <laughs> yeah, I say to them, I'm like, yeah, you know, you need a little bit of work and you blah, blah, blah. And you're doing this. Oh, well, Mr. Bailey, you don't know, you don't, you don't know nothing. You don't, you don't know. <laughs> no, I just produce with all these different cats. <laughs> I know absolutely nothing. Sorry. Um, I've only been doing this for almost 20 years. Like, no, I know absolutely. Show me your credit list real quick. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
I, I told my seventh graders the other day that I produced for Mac Miller and they lost their minds in the middle of class. But it's more like, it's, it's looking at that and then like, well, I'm going to be this rapper and I'm going to blow up on YouTube and then I'm never going to come back to high school. Yeah. It doesn't quite happen like that. No, they don't understand. You gotta, that's like a one in 10 million yeah. that that happens. And, you're, and that's not even overnight. That's like consistent every day, working, writing, making music. Like I, I think like, especially, you know, I know there's like some, when I was younger too, like it, 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 the way it seems is not the way it is. No. Especially when it comes to the music industry, you know, cause you think like, you know, kind of like how it works, but once you really dig your fingers and dig your hands into the actual industry, it's a whole other beast than you ever expected. Yep. And these young kids don't get it. They yep. don't get it at all. They just want to make a quick buck and get out. And it's sad because like, oh, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Rhode Island on the map. Like, dog, Rhode Island is the smallest state in the fucking United States. We're not going to be on anybody's map. People still think that we're a part of New York. You know like, where you're going to go? You're going to go to Boston. Yeah. That's where you're going to go. Like you're not, you're not going to make it here, but it's like, there's some, there's some good rappers here. Like there are some good rappers here, mm-hmm. but guess what happened? They moved to fucking California. Yep. Like, because there's no music scene here. And like, I can, I can name five rappers right now that literally left Rhode Island, moved out to California and are doing better because they did so. Mm-hmm. I stayed because I have a house here and I've, everything but i had the opportunity at one point to move to north carolina i had the opportunity to move to atlanta like i could have yeah well i think as a producer you have more leniency as far as that goes because like as an artist there's only like so much content you can do yeah you know how many music videos can you shoot exactly how many how many uh photo shoots are you gonna do (laughs) you know how many you know what tutorials, how are you going to bring value to people? Like as a regular artist, like that's the thing like that is, I find like so difficult, you know, trying to like wrap my head around, you know, like working with artists in that space is that like, how do you provide a certain value to grow an audience before you become big besides just, Oh, here's my new single. Oh, here's a new song. Oh, here's this photo shoot I did. Oh, here's a music video. Oh, the same like five things that you can do. And what is, what is your audience? Like, yeah. what is, like, I, I try to explain, cause my wife just started her own business. And like, I tried to tell her like, look, like you got to find who your target audience is. Like, it's not going to be overnight. It's not going to be in a week. It's not going to be in a month. Like you really have to give it Seriously. time to grow your audience. But like these kids are like, oh, my audience is like my 10 friends. Like, oh, <laughs> well, those 10 friends are always going to tell you that your music's dope. But like the 11th person that hears your music is probably going to think it sucks. Yeah, but it that's that's where they think the money is because their ten friends are gonna buy their song or stream their song, yeah. and they don't they don't get that like you can go to these other places or go enter a competition or you can go to like an open mic or you can go to these things, and I think some like some people get it like I I used I still actually met so so one of my first students um a lot of people joked about um. A lot of people joked about this kid being like my son when I was uh, when I was teaching my first school, and like I still kind of mentor him. But his dad was a was a DJ, and his dad 
DJed for um for Lil Wayne and he DJed for I can't remember who else. He DJed for T Pain and, and somebody else, but he was like a traveling DJ. And then he finally settled down with his mom and he came here and then the kid wants to make beats. So like after school every day, I would mentor him like, you know, this is Ableton, this is how you do this, this is how you do this, this is how you use this plugin, like this is how you use a controller, this is how you use the keyboard. And like he's like well this is a lot of work i was like yeah no, sh- no shit like <laughs> it's it's a lot of like i it took me almost 17 years to get this down and he's like well i thought it was just like you just click a few buttons and you're straight like this is <laughs> this is work and i'm like yeah and then like now he hits me up he's like yo mr bailey i uh he's like i got my first keyboard and like yeah i'm glad i listened to you because this is difficult this is very difficult and i'm like yeah i'm like see like all these people think that like it's so easy. Like, it's so like, I'm just going to make it happen. Yeah. Well, like, they see these people that have been doing it for fucking years and years. And you just, yeah. like, I've been doing this better part of the decade now. And, you know, compared to how long it would take me to make a beat then compared to now it's light years difference, man. Like I would sit behind shit for, you know, hours to make one beat. Now I can make a flip in fucking 30, 45 minutes. If I have everything lined up, if I bring, pop up my template, got all my drum racks in place, you know, know what I want to do. Got samples on the go. Fucking yep. bam. Ready to go. 30, 45 minutes. Whole beat done. Yep. And it's, it, you don't, you don't just like, once you get in a groove, you're in a groove, but it's, it's like, how long does it take you to build that groove? Mm-hmm. Like, you. I can make like uh, like you like I can make a beat in like like I can make a beat in like twenty minutes like sit me down give me a sample give me like open up Keyscape I can do it in like, give me twenty minutes like I'll, I'm good but like it's more like where do I really want do I just want to do that like every day like do I want to be that and do I want to put the work in to do this and people don't people mm-hmm. don't like. And I encourage people like go listen to these podcasts, like go listen to producer grind or go listen to on the spot on the block or like go listen to all these other podcasts, like even black chat, like, yeah. like I know black chat, like hasn't come out in a while, but like go listen to the old black chats and like really like listen to these producer stories, like, and these artist stories because it took them years. Oh yeah. It, it and took think, years. Like, and that's one of the big reasons why I wanted to start up this podcast is to be able to, you know, provide, you know, it, this type of value or information of, you know, veteran producers to show kind of like newer producers into the game. Like, yo, this is how it works. You and know, like, I, I still think of myself as, as still starting out. Like I have done a lot in my produce, like, I have my, my badges from all the festivals I've ever been to, like hanging off my studio monitors, <laughs> but I still feel that I like, and like everybody, like you have room to improve and you have other things to accomplish. Like I've accomplished a shit ton of stuff in my career. I was in a whiz music video. I went to South by Southwest to a fucking mansion in East Texas with Bun B and all these other people. And <laughs> fucking drank myself half to death on fucking Bombay Sapphire. But like, I have these stories and I have these memories and stuff and that's all well and good. But like, what else can I do? Like, where else can I go? Like, that's why I was so depressed with like the logic story. Like he has so much more potential. Like I was just like, he announced that he was retiring and going over to play video games on Twitch. I'm like, cause you got a kid now? Like, come on, dude. 
like, you had so much more like like welcome to forever man that was my that was one of my all-time favorite mixtapes ever mm-hmm. ever like that came out uh, i'm pretty sure that came out like my senior year of high school mm-hmm. and i played that shit all the goddamn time like that was my soundtrack for that year like and i it was incredible during the time and like under pressure after that and all yeah, the other stuff like those two welcome to forever and under pressure were his two best ones in my in my opinion yeah and just to see him kind of go that slow kind of downhill from that uh, such amazing come up and then just be like all right i'm retiring and going over to twitch was just so disheartening like oh come on man a lot of rappers have done and like it's 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 so sad like watching decline like and to to parallel logic like look at mgk like Mm -hmm. i i came up around the same time that mgk came up like i actually performed with artists at shows with him and in rock city and they were run by the same manager at the time and so we were all in the same circles and mgk would just be there all the time Mm -hmm. and now MGK, you know, has his daughter and he's acting. Yeah. Cool. He's a really wild boy, huh? <laughs> like, you put out an album, uh, two albums and a mixtape and you're done. You're acting. Like, it's, you can't, like, you, you can't just scratch the surface and then go, <laughs> like, even as a producer, like, you can't, like, you can't go anywhere. There's producers now that you don't hear from anymore. And, you know, you still, like some of the veterans are still making beats for artists daily, but some of the veterans you don't, you don't hear from like, when was the last time you heard a, a, a Pete Rock jam? Like, oh, you God. know, like you can't like some of these folks, like you can't like, you can't think about, the decline because you know it's it's disheartening but at the same time like was that the end goal like what do you think having a kid like i know plenty of artists with children like you just gonna stop like i know people who like have excelled in their careers because now they have someone to provide for like yeah you just stop i'm gonna play i'm gonna go act it like mgk is a horrible actor but like Mm -hmm. And he gets killed off in everything that he's in. But <laughs> like Bird Box, he got killed. Power, he got killed. Like you, now he's just going to be that rapper that gets cast in things and gets killed in the first 10 minutes. But it's more like, like some people just hit that plateau and don't skyrocket. Like imagine if Matt gave off or like oh, imagine yeah. if Wiz gave up after say yeah yeah like, i really think mac was just getting started really yeah like swimming that was immaculate that was part that was supposed to be part of a three album like it was supposed to be swimming in circles upside down was mm-hmm. like the the trilogy that was gonna be yep. and then you just got swimming in circles and that was it mm-hmm. and like he was literally like he was a visionary if you saw his live shows way back you could see that like, all right, this kid, this kid knows what he's doing. Like he plays, he plays like, he played 12 instruments. Like, mm-hmm. dude, like, you know, like there's talent like that, that like is just talent. 
and then you have like a talent that you can waste like there's mm-hmm. a ton of it and i think like even like the younger generation today they they want to waste it because they want to get the easy bag and they want to get the easy money and they want to get it but like it's up to us to just be like, yo, don't like, don't do that. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's why these people are so thirsty for like falling for these scams. Cause like, yo, bust like fucking red man is telling me that I could be on his mixtape. Yeah. Just pay him some money. Like dog, I would chill. I would chill for a red man placement. Like yeah. right now I'm fighting for a method man placement, but it's like fighting, like literally like, like, and I don't like to be that guy like, yo, what's up, man? Like, oh, yo, they listen to that beat yet. Like, I'm not that guy. But, like, people don't understand that this shit, like, it's, it takes so long. Like, no, real. it takes so Like, I, I've been working on, there was an album. I produced a whole album for a rapper from New Jersey named SV. We started the album in, I can't remember, what year did it come out? 2015? We started the album in 2012 and it came out in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it takes time. Like I've been working with a, a rapper since high school and we still haven't even put out a first project yet. We're still fucking honing everything in and yeah. getting everything, crossing all the T's, dotting all the lines. You know, we've probably been through fucking God, 40, 50 songs that we've just scrapped, you know, kept like, oh, this one's cool. I like this from this one. And just like, all this shit just pushing it all together and making basically a trilogy out of it. And it just takes so much time, you know? And I think like most people, I really think like in the younger generation, even in my generation too, like, and I'm sure it was the same in yours that the people don't really know their purpose. You know, there's not a sense of real purpose in the matter. And I think the problem with that is, and actually it's funny because I had this conversation this morning with my wife, is that you're told by your parents or whoever is watching you what to be or what to do or Mm -hmm. where to take your career. Like there was a moment when I was in between colleges. Like I... I was right out of high school. I literally went from high school straight into college. Like I took a month off and went straight into college and I was going for computer hardware engineering. And then two semesters in the college I was at got rid of the major and they got rid of it and they weren't offering it anymore. And I couldn't take out any more loans. They wouldn't let me. So I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just go to work. And I said to my mom, like, yo, I, I, I want to pursue music. Like I was traveling. I was going to all these places and I was like, I want to do music full time. You're not going to make money off that. You need to go back to school and get a job. All right, cool. Went back to school, got a job. And it's dictated to you because like, that's what is dictated to them. It's dictated to them. It's dictated to them. Like there's no, there was no like, yo, shoot your shot. And I think like even today, like they want, they want to, and we want to, and we like if I could if I could quit teaching tomorrow and shoot my shot and then just land something, I'd do it like in a heartbeat. But I think it's more you have to have the career to pay the bills, to live, to eat, and to do all these things until that thing happens. Mm-hmm. And some people get complacent, like 
I ha I worked when I was working as a pharmacy technician. I remember there was a girl, a lady that was there, and she's still working for Walgreens, and she's been there for forty some forty fifty years. Man. I'm like, yo, I could not live that, dude. You should be you should be working in corporate. Like, yeah, for real. why are you still ringing a cash register? Like, yeah. And it's like, wow, I like the job. You're like seventy, like. You're a pharmacy tech. Like you're probably making like 15 bucks an hour. Like, how do you, like, how do you feel? Like I couldn't be that. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I, I, I feel like so much wasted potential. Yeah. The the day. You I, know, it just feels like that would be so, I don't know, man. It's just like some people, like you're saying, they don't want to take that shot, yeah. you know? And I think like, to me, like I've gotten through it into my head, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, like what's, what's, oh, it's going to miss. Okay, cool. Try it again next day. Yep. Oh, that's saying, I think that with like every beat I make, you know, like, oh, is this going to be great? Oh, who knows? Fucking, if it's not fucking try again tomorrow. Yep. You know, okay. the thing is like, you got nothing to lose, you know, like, I mean, as long as you're not fucking, you know, kicked out of your, evicted and sleeping on the streets, you yep. know, you ain't got much to fucking lose. And, and even still then if it's a good if it's a good enough opportunity yeah you might want to roll the dice you yeah. know i had we when we were when we were both like out of a job before my wife and i and she like stumbled upon a job and she fucking hated it and like we had the conversation she's like i'm gonna i'm gonna start my own business like, fuck it like i don't want to work for anybody anymore like i don't want to do it and i was like great fucking do it and she's successful as shit at it and yeah. You know, and it's it's more like stop what she was doing. She's like, I don't want to work for anybody anymore. I want to work for myself. And then you go into work for yourself, and look what happens. Like, and it's different in the music industry because it's it's a slow buildup. Yeah. But like, if it's like, I spent the whole first part of this year from like June, from like probably February to June, July, creating a new logo, creating a new website, creating merch, creating like this, like creating my template like making sure everything was lined up like if i was still unemployed i'd be literally on i'd be i'd be logic on twitch every day like make it be yeah. every day and it's it's more like if you don't have that mentality and if you don't want to do it you're not going to do it yeah it's it. really a mind game yeah at a certain point you got to be able to the mind game and discipline i love teaching i love it it's great. And I love trying to get the youth to think for themselves. That's my goal as a teacher, because today they're the media teaches them so much to not think for themselves. But like, that's my goal as a teacher, get them to think and do shit. But like, if I wasn't doing that, I'd be making music. And if like, or I could do both, like I'm doing both, but I love both equally. And if I wasn't doing both, I have no idea what the fuck I'd be doing. But I know for a fact that I I like where I'm at and I don't want to go into like work for like a retail or anybody else like that ever again. Like I yeah. I swore I swore to myself when I left my last pharmacy job. I'm like, yo, I am not doing this shit again. Yeah. I am I mean, not you, you found a sense of purpose. Yeah. yeah. So you found like your purpose with teaching and you found your purpose with music, you know. And mm -hmm. some of the times, you know, your purpose isn't gonna be solely one thing. Nope. You know, and I think that's what a lot of, you know, kids these days don't really understand. 
Nope. You know, I think like, especially in today's world, like you got to diversify your skill sets. Yep. You got to be able to have multiple side hustles. You know, I remember when I was younger, an OG of the neighborhood was basically always like to the kids around was just like, yo, you need multiple side hustles. You need multiple streams of income. You know, just relying on one stream of income ain't going to get you anywhere. Nope. You know, you're going to be stuck in the same rut as all these other people out here are. And you don't want to be. Nope. You're going to feel stuck. And feeling stuck is the worst. And you can see it from, like, my parents' generation. Like, the generation where, like, like even before that, like, they, they worked. Like, all they knew was work. Like they literally went to work and then they came home and then they went to bed and they, they made you maybe made you dinner and then, or like messed around and then they went back to work Yep. and it was work and then work. And it's like, it was like a giant circle. And like, there was a point where I was doing it too, where I was working three jobs at a time. Like I was stocking shelves at a grocery store overnight, substitute teaching in the morning and then go work a pharmacy at night. And I was like, yo, who wants to do this? Like, why am I doing this? Like, after two months, like, I was like, yo, why am I doing this? Like, for real, like, why? Like, great, the money's fantastic, but I'm tired of shit. Like, yeah. you're not feeling fulfilled. You're not, <laughs> I'm, not- I'm exhausted. Like, I haven't slept in a month. Like, <laughs> how, like, how am I alive? Like, all right. So I, I like relaxed on the substitute teaching. And then I like, one night I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm not I'm not going to this overnight job. Like I'm, I'm tired. Like I'm staying home mm-hmm. and they fired me and I'm like, all right, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Like that's just more sleep. Like, yeah. and like they, the, the kids, like that's what they want it. Like they don't understand that. Like, okay, they want to be a YouTube star. Mm. Cool. Yeah. You well, got to be making content every day. every day of the week you get good content you know your niche you know what you're gonna do you know like do you understand that youtube has an algorithm that even though we've been doing this for like years still haven't cracked like do you realize that you have to be consistent every day every other day and putting stuff out or else you are going to fail oh well uh uh well uh yeah well uh uh like you're not going to be that kid who randomly made it big opening up gifts on YouTube. Like that's a fluke. Like that's a fluke. That's a one in a million. This kid created a YouTube channel where he's opening gifts. Like nobody's ever done it before, but he made millions of dollars at 12 years old. Like that's a fluke. That's not going to happen again. But like the first kid to stream Minecraft, like, like, my brother had aspirations when he was younger to play major league gaming in Halo. Like mm-hmm. they would go every day and they would play every day and they would play every day. And then they got to the preliminaries and got fucking destroyed. Like, and then he's like, Oh, well, I guess I'll join the army. Like, you yeah. know, like what else? I, I know I'm not good at video games now. So what am I going to do now? Like, at yeah, least- I think like, I honestly was lucky to be able to like get right into the type of work I was aspiring to like rate is getting, you know, finishing up college, you know, being able to get into the live sound mm-hmm. realm and stuff like that. But with COVID hitting, it's just fucking all taken out, you know? So like this year has been rough on that end, but that's what like, it's really gotten me, which to a degree is good because it's really gotten me focused on, you know, my in-studio stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know, cause I've done like some sessions here and there is like tracking engineer and, you know, a little bit here and there, you know, some freelance gigs, but nothing like steady work in that aspect. And I think like if once the live sound does start coming back up and I can do my in-studio stuff and my music stuff, you know, having those kind of two avenues kind of that can cross over each other will bring in definitely enough money to be able to live death sustainably. And that's the goal. Yeah. Should be the goal. Should be. Yeah. I think like most people don't really like it. to make a living sustainably in the music industry isn't too difficult, but to make you know, it big and a lot of money the way they see it on the TV or on social media or anything like that, that's dedication that's years of work or knowing the right people and being in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. you know it's one of those two options you know you either you're either put in all this work and slowly crawled your way to the point where something just clicks mm-hmm. or you're at the right place right time with the right content and know the right people mm-hmm. and the chances of option b happening are one in a million yeah Slim. i've been in the room mm-hmm. and it's difficult to be the one in the room it's not easy it's intimidating nope. it's intimidating as shit and sometimes it doesn't always work like i've been to major studios where a major artist walks in and they look at you and they just walk right past you but mm-hmm. you have to find a way to utilize you being there and sometimes it's not the right time to be the guy in the room but well you got to make sure yourself is ready too like if you're you're not presentable (laughs) you know if you're if you're not presentable if you're not right on point within yourself like on just a personal level i wasn't ready to be in that room at all maybe maybe me too Maybe day two, I was ready to be in that room. <laughs> day one, not ready to be in that room at all. Yep. For, the art, for the artists that walked in the room, I remember we, we went in to Stankonia Studios in Atlanta. And it was intimidating as shit off the jump because it's fucking Stankonia. Oh, yeah. But, like, you walk in and you're like, wow, there's an outcast triple platinum plaque on the wall. Wow, this is fantastic. And then you go and you sit down and, like, the engineer tells you, Oh man, the Ying Yang twins are coming in. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Like, what am I gonna do now? Like, how do I how do I act? Like, yeah, that's real. You know, like you gotta. Yeah, it's like it happens, and then you're confused as shit because you don't. Oh, okay. Well, I don't have beats, I guess, that fit the Ying Yang twins, and then they come in and they're loud as shit, and then you're quiet. So now, how do you act? How do you act yeah. like you don't, you can't adapt. Yeah. And the thing is, it goes down to like, even, you know, I hate to make it like on a, a physical and materialistic level, but you know, if your style's not on point, yeah. you know, with your clothes, if your confidence and your swag and how you talk isn't on point, you know, all these other things that people don't take into consideration when being in the right place in the right time, they think, oh, my music's dope. If I just get in there, I'll get in there. When no. you're walking in there with busted up fucking Nike Air Forces at a fucking dirty as shit, dirty as shit, you got a fucking you know a, a three year old champion sweater on, 
you know, and nothing else, you know, just plain yeah. shit, you know, average Joe in the studio, you know, yeah. you're going to get overlooked. It, 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 so who's, it sucks who's to kind of... Who's assisting you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh yeah. The yeah, yeah. And it, it, it sucks yeah. to kind of like put it in that, you know, perspective in, in a very, it seems kind of shallow in some sense, but it's real though. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. People, don't, people don't get it. And best believe like the second day, I was like, okay, whoever comes through that door, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say something. And it was mm-hmm. fucking rapper Big Poo and a few other people. And, like, they come walking through the door. And it's like, yo, I'm, I'm taking that. Oh, yeah, I know who you do. You know, whatever, blah, 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 whatever. And, uh, okay, well, now I feel more comfortable being in this room. Like, exactly. they, like okay. And, but, like, it's intimidating as shit being in that room the first time. And, yeah. like, the younger people don't like they hear that story and you were in the studio with the yin yang twins you didn't do nothing and you i'm like do you know how intimidating that is yeah yeah being being somebody who like has only had one like one or two major placements and a multi-platinum selling artist walks in the room yeah no i i know how that feels working live sound man going back into the green room some of the time dude i know how that feels (laughs) like my first couple of times going back into the green room you're just like what the like how am i why am i in this room right now like this it doesn't compute (laughs) and it's like some of the time like you know you're supposed to be there like there was a time where um like around 2011 where uh a couple of friends of mine i was like way before the mac stuff uh probably a little bit before the mac stuff there was a few uh, friends of mine I was producing with. One of them ended up uh, being one of Joe Budden's producers. And we were all in a thing, and we all had artist badges at CMJ to go backstage at SOBs. And if anyone's ever been to SOBs, uh, there's like a, a couch that's famous, and you, every artist who's been artist sits on that couch. And we went down and we sat on the couch, and Big Sean and Mike Posner walk in. And this is when they were first like, uh, just coming out right they were first coming out and mike posner was cool as shit and like we all exchanged numbers and whatever and then like they we were all there and camp low walks in and then fucking Buster rhymes walks in and you're like yo i'm not supposed to be here like i'm definitely <laughs> not supposed to be here. your badge says you are supposed to be there and but even they were intimidated because they're their first they're just big sean's first mixtape uh who knows big sean i think came out a month before we were there like oh, yeah so that was like fresh off the yeah and cooler than me by by mike posner just came out like before it hit the radio so like it just hit the internet and so mm-hmm. like they were performing that song consistently because it literally just hit and I'll never forget that year because Mike Posner called me on Thanksgiving to wish me a happy Thanksgiving. I'll never forget that year. <laughs> like that's what one, one of the things. Like I was like, yo, there was a time in life where Mike Posner had my telephone number. He called me to wish me a happy Thanksgiving, Randy. Hey. <laughs> like it's one thing, but like even those people are baffled sometimes, and like you get you get over it. But like sometimes, like if you're in a room now, you're just like, all right, cool. Like it's just another fucking room, Mike. Yeah, yeah. I, after a while, like working like live sound and like meeting all the, these different artists and like going backstage and talking, like the first couple of times was intimidating. After a while, it just became work. Like, okay, 
go backstage, fucking shoot the shit with them, see what's up, you know, tell them what the deal is for the day, you know, or get what their deal is for the day, what they're planning on doing. Just be like, okay, cool. And then like even afterwards, you know, like there's some um, after party stuff or, you know, whatever else comes up during that shit, you know, how it goes with that, that shit that um you know you get used to it it becomes like another fucking day at the job but like and and the fact that like some of the time like yeah it's a great story it's a great thing to talk about but it's it's more like like what came out of it like mm-hmm. nine times out of ten it, i all i got was a good story like that's it and like it's a bad thing but it's still on the business end like, but it's still like it kind of it's a great experience to yeah. like to, to talk about like on, on this type of medium and stuff. But like at the end of it, like I, I did an event on um, my homie Drawzilla used to do an event at DITC studios. Mm. And I have, I, I huge DITC fan and I knew Buckwild previously, but I've never met finesse. I've never met fat Joe. I've never met, you know, uh showbiz. I never met any of those dudes. And he calls me up on like a Wednesday. It's like, what are you doing on Saturday? Oh, nothing. <laughs> Come to New York. Come to DITC. And I'm like, okay, I'll do the event, whatever. I was like, uh, who, who's the, because they usually had a special guest. I'm like, who's the special guest? Oh, we got Scram Jones and Fred the Godson coming through. Like, just come, just come through. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Great. So you go up and then you go and then you walk through and you're like, the minute you walk in, Jay-Z's blueprint is staring you in the fucking face. And it's like, now you're intimidated again because you're in a studio that Jay-Z recorded versus for reasonable doubt. And now you're like, okay, now I'm, I'm here and I'm meeting folks that have done Fat Joe albums and and Remy Ma albums and Jay-Z albums and big L like I'm in a studio with a giant fucking big L mural on the wall. Like where, like, like you get the story, but like you, like I met Fred the gods of pre him passing away. And you know, that was cool. Did we get a session? No. Like would I have loved to produce a record? Absolutely. But I got got a cool story out of it. And it's, it's more like, and and that's what I really want younger people to take away is that like, yeah, that stuff can happen. It can happen. Like again, like South by Southwest, I, there was one day that my homies weren't there yet. And I slept on a random artist couch. Like <laughs> it was the second night we stayed there. We didn't have a place to go because all the hotels were booked. So we slept in a car. And then that night we ended up in a fucking mansion. Like I know what's going to happen. You can't like you can't fathom the events that transpired. Yeah, but like oh, yeah, dude, like the craziest shit happens, and that's one of the reasons why I love the music industry, honestly, because yeah. the craziest shit happens all the time. Like you never fucking know what's gonna happen. You could start the day out one way, and it's completely one hundred eighty degrees, completely different by the end of it. These music festivals were fucking insane for that. Like mm-hmm. you. I miss music festivals for that. Like I've, I never did South by Southwest and I always knew that South by was like the shit. Like if you had to go to a music festival, South by was where you needed to go. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go, I'm going to miss my midterm in college and I'm going to go to Texas for a week. 
So I went, to, I went to Southwest Southwest. And when you got there, you had to sign in at this random thing. And then if you were an artist plus, which I was the artist plus, there was like artist, artist like branch off and then artist plus. Uh, you had to pay extra for it, whatever, mm-hmm. I don't care. So I got it, I got the badge and they were like, oh, you're an artist plus member. Uh, if you go around the corner, uh, you get a free grab bag and then there's a private concert going on around the corner. I'm like, uh, who's that? the private concert they're like oh we can't tell you that you just kind of got to go <laughs> like, okay <laughs> like that's not mysterious at all and you walk in and it's fucking alicia keys behind the grand piano like Jeez. what like what did i just walk into <laughs> like i just walked into an alicia keys concert like okay cool and then like later on that day you're you find yourself at a bar that is serving a dollar twenty-five pitchers of Long Island iced tea with Freddie Gibbs, Static Selecta, and like all these other people, and you're just chilling and drinking and having fun. And I'll never forget going outside. I don't smoke. I don't smoke, but I was inebriated and I needed to go outside. So I went outside. And this guy in this hoodie like walks up. I'm fucking sketchy, like sketch, sketchy. Walks up, yo, you got a cigarette, man? I, I don't have any more. I was like, nah, man, I don't smoke. He goes, you know, it's a bummer. And I turned and it was fucking Alchemist. Oh. I was like, yo. Yo. Like, what up, Al? And he's like, what up, man? He's like, I'm trying to be out here super low key. Like, yeah, he's he <laughs> on like, oh, like, like super low key. He's like, I'm not trying to be out here like that. Like, like, and I'm like, yeah, but you're bumming cigarettes off people? Like, like, ow. Huh? Like, it was mad. It was the most random encounter. Oh yeah. But like, you don't, you don't think that that shit's gonna happen. And the music festivals are the greatest thing for that. And like any artist that I talk to, I encourage to at least go out to one. Like go out and if you're gonna go out to any like A3C and South by are like, and even like Coachella. Like I mean, Coachella is just a giant concert, but like you can meet some. You never know who the fuck you're gonna meet. Like even. Honestly, like I've done like the smaller like regional concert or festivals and stuff like that. I've done sound for a bunch of festivals around the region. And, you know, you never know who the fuck you're going to run into, because even if they're not a big name artist, give it three years. Yep. You never know where the fuck they're going to be. <laughs> Freddie Gibbs got thrown out of a venue we were at because he tried to bring in his own whiskey. Like it's it like it's it's like some of the stories like you you would never think and then MG, and then MGK ended up sneaking him in the back door and uh, <laughs> <laughs> MGK and Pill snuck him in the back door. It was the funniest shit ever. But like stuff like that, like you you it stays it stays and like you you have to experience it because as a music like in any form of music like at all, you can come into some wild shit like just. Mm-hmm. I, I used to know a sound guy who used to do all the venues out here. And he um he was telling me, he's like, yeah, uh, he's like, I don't want to tell you who the artist was, but like he was sneaking all these like young ass college girls into his like into his backstage and like he had a special security guard to card everybody that came back, like just yeah. I was like, Yeah, man, I I know there's this I- I won't name the artist, but there was this one artist, there's a show I was working at, that he invited this girl on stage, and she she came there with another dude, one, and she he invited her on stage to do like like a re like to rap this verse with him, and the second after she got done rapping the verse backstage, 
the dude was i felt so bad for the dude the dude was sitting out in his car at like 2 a.m during loadout just oh, waiting and you know just we're just like i almost wanted to go over to him and be like dude she's gone man she's gone just let it go move on <laughs> you know i really wanted to just go over there and you know it was just sad. like i kind of felt bad for the guy but at the same time hey <laughs> it's what it is like, you can't i mean you know and like my bro like like uh the co- some of the colleges out here used to do um used to do concerts and they stopped doing them even before covid for some reason i don't know but like my brother would go to them because my brother's friend would do uh security at these shows and um it's the first time i saw it. <laughs> this is the most odd pairing for an opening act slash main act it was tyler the creator and asap ferg opening and kendrick as the headliner it's the huh. strangest pairing ever but whatever it was a dope ass show but the show that my brother went to was snoop and i forget who opened for him but he's like yo snoop had a guy on the left rolling for him and you couldn't have it because rhode island it was frowned upon at the time mm-hmm. like the dude walks up to me and he's like yo lick this he's like i got i, got, I can't like i'm my lips are chapped like can you do that so then he's, my brother's like, oh, fuck it, I'll do it, whatever. And he did it. And then Snoop took it from him and was like, yeah. And he's like, they shared it. He's like, I shared I I it with Snoop Dogg. Like, like he's like, does this shit happen? Like, it ha-, I was like, dude, it happens all the time. Like, like it happens all the like, time. Like, when we were on the set of the Wiz music video, like, he had Amber Rose up there. And, uh, like, she was literally there, like, just handing out bottles of gin, like, to people like it happens like oh, like crazy it happens. in the music like, industry like, crazy the music, music industry is the only industry where that shit can be like you would never see an nba player do that but like no. you like you'll never see an nfl player i mean you probably dennis rodman probably would have done that shit back in the day no. but like today no like that would never happen but the music industry opens up so many possibilities but you have to be willing to take that shot and be willing to open up those to be open to those because if you're not you're fucked yeah if you're gonna step you gotta step correctly Mm -hmm. yep 110 percent. and that's with everything like don't if there's one thing you could take away from this conversation anybody who's listening is that don't don't be afraid to do it like just fucking do it like yeah. just, just do take it. the risk shoot the shot Fuck like, it. i never i never like i was debating like i debated for a whole month signing up for for the fucking side chain society like i i literally like was like man should i should i really do this like i don't know man like i'm i'm always sketchy about doing things because like i don't really like to spend money i'm frugal whatever mm-hmm. Fuck it, i'll admit it i don't care so I signed up. It was one of the greatest things ever. This community, the community is fucking fantastic. And like, I'm, you know, and having a producer community, there's in a state where there is no producer community where 90% of the music producers are moving. Mm -hmm. Like the only other producer that had clout here who produced for Wu-Tang and D-Block moved to Georgia last month. Mm -hmm. Like I'm the only one left like Mm -hmm. of notoriety here. 
and it's more like, and people don't even know I live here. Like, and it's, it's, and it's like, when I tell people who, what I've done and who I've worked, they're like, why are you still here? Like, why haven't you moved? And I'm like, cause the cost of living elsewhere and COVID and I don't want to fucking move. Like I hate moving. So like, it's, it's, um, it's really kind of looking at those things and, and, and really like, just try to take everything into account and be open to everything. Cause if you're not, you're going to just regret everything. No, for real. For real. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a good place to good note to end off on right there. Yes, I agree. I concur. Well, man, it was good talking. Um, Anything you want to kind of let people know, you know, get your tags in, get whatever you want to put out there. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitch at TechBeats. Uh, you can go to my website, techbeats.com. Uh, the only platform where you cannot find me as TechBeats is Twitter because some guy will not give up the name of TechBeats. So I am stuck with at TechnologyRI. So you can follow me on Twitter. I barely use Twitter anyway. Um, I don't know who still uses Twitter. Um, fun fact, uh, Freddie Gibbs actually does follow me on Twitter. Hey. Uh, it, and he probably doesn't even know it um <laughs> but the uh yeah follow me on those follow me on the website um techbeats.com uh i'm gonna try back going on twitch i'm usually live on twitch every tuesday uh for te- i do a thing technology tuesdays um i've been slacking on that since i started back at school but things things will get better but follow me on there um peeps and beats um, I got an album. I got this B tape dropping. You can fo- uh, you can also follow me on Spotify. Find me on uh, Spotify title, all those things. Um, under technology, stream my B tapes, please. I have another one dropping um, the end of this month, and then I already started planning because I went to the stores today, and they already have the Christmas trees up. So I, I'm starting a new themed. Uh, I'm going to be chopping up Christmas samples and and hey. do, doing a Christmas B tape. So it's going to come out on Christmas Eve. So I have, I have, I have some, some plans, but, um, there's that, I have an album with the bad seed coming out soon. That's featuring innocent. And then a few other folks, um, that album's fucking incredible so far. Um, I have four tracks done and it's great. Um, Chu Jackson's beautiful life in the ghetto is coming out on November 13th. I have three beats on there. One of them featured currency. Maybe, I don't know. He keeps teasing it. I don't know yet, but I hope so. Um, but that album comes out November 13th. And then I have, um, I think that's the only album I have left dropping. Uh, oh, Get Tab One of Cooley High's album it is now out on vinyl. Um, that's going up on my wall soon. He said delivery date is expected to be Christmas Eve. So that'll be a nice Christmas present to have. That'd so go buy one, tell a friend to tell a friend. And uh, yeah, that's it. Sounds good. Well, thank you for coming on, my man. Course. Thank you for having Appreciate me. Get your christening this off for the first one. Great. It feels great to be here. <laughs> All right.